just begun edition. And we got a, we're doing a blistering fast 55 minutes or less episode. You know why? Because we're spent. It was a long haul, the Super Bowl. Fezzik is off this week. It was planned. Do you ever see Spring Break on MTV? Uh, yeah, long time ago. Okay. Uh, like people, they got go, the uh, confetti's falling. There's the there's the dance music going, and people pumping their arm. That's what Fezzik's doing right now. He, my had big, a, he had a nice run in the or a nice another winning year with the props. My big question for you about Fezzik is: Is he on Maui or the rest of the island? That's no. Actually, <laughs> if you rem- if you remember, he is uh, he had some buddies coming in for the Super Bowl, like for old friends. Okay, way back, and he just said, "Listen, we're Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're tearing it down." Now I don't know if that meant like. You know, like a second cup of coffee in the morning, but like tearing it down. Do you think they're reliving, reliving their uh, Northwestern intramural days? Is that a because we now we know he was a superstar at intramurals. He's I think he said something about slamming on a seven foot hoop. <laughs> uh, and, and again, I, I was skeptical, but he'll be back next week. And we are going to what we're going to do here is real simple. This is going to be like a transition episode. I had some bigger plans, Fezzik. And again, I don't blame him at all because. <laughs> Waikiki or the rest of the island. That was his famous line. That that still might be. It's like it's like when the cat's away, right? So Jonas, who was co-hosting the show with us then on Fox, he's got he's like a superstar in the morning. Big timer. Now. And I don't want to say I had a lot to do with that, but you do the math. <laughs> now <laughs> and I was out, and you know, I don't miss, you know, let's be candid, I don't miss much. And Though apparently last week there was some inference that, like, you know, it was like, when you're not here, it's like, well, let me see, like seven times in five years. But on the pod, that's about right, if even that. But anyway, maybe I'll take some real time off and show you guys. It'll be like this 7% of the audience go, yeah, yeah, we can hear more AJ and Fez. It's like, but they have their own podcast. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. I heard someone today, I don't look at the Twitter machine as they say but i did look at something and it was saying something about um i think they were saying like aj i get rj's insufferable he's he's so confident and and i'm thinking insufferable means you cannot suffer through it but you listen every day <laughs> you must hate yourself or you or jealous could be jealousy can you can you hear me aj i can hear you the magic of technology. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Fezzik's back next week, and we got a fun little thing we're going to do. And let's start with this, then we'll get to the Super Bowl. We got a new game. Now, it's got different names based on where it's done because we got FCC involved, or well, kind of. And the game is Book Me B-I-T-C-H. And even that was was tough. And listen, I don't press those, but I'd rather push boundaries that are different than boundaries of like, say, you know, say S-U-C, you know, say F-U-C. No, 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 no. I'm not George Carlin. I mean, this is, this. we're going to push other boundaries. But here's the game. We take the, the um, current market, and we actually are doing some interesting stuff with that. We're going to have a shop consensus for square books, sharp books, How'd that go today, McKinsey? I saw the email. That, did you got you get a version of it done now? Yeah, got it up on the screen. All right. So, what what, what book has the what team has the biggest discrepancy? 
That wasn't a, that's like my first thought in that way. But this looks good though, I tell you that much. The Buccaneers, thirty-two to one at Sharp Books, Square Books paying twenty-two to one. Okay. So that means if you would be fading the Bucks, you'd be super sharp. Exactly. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Now Bengals look like a good one to fade too. Is it? See, that's an interest. Data leads the way. <laughs> so here's the theory. AJ forced bad. He has to take one of my bets when, and we did this on straight out of Vegas, Fox six Eastern weekdays. He had to take one of my bets in which I was betting a team to win it. All right. So I'd bet a little to win a lot, you know, 10 to one, 20 to one. Mine was 35 to one. Then he has to book one of mine to not win it, which is we're going no vig or this isn't no vig, but it's however these are these sharp line is. Then you lay it. So if if I wanted to say I'm saying the Bills aren't winning it, well the Bills number was plus 750, so it'd be like I was betting minus 750 to win 100 if the Bills don't win it. So the theory is it's effectively an overrated underrated, right? But there's money involved because we're betting. You know, hey. If I hit my Super Bowl bet, 3,500. Yeah. Uh-huh. Real quick, because we're going to do this with Fez in a little grander way next week. But let's repeat what we had on Straight Out of Vegas. Your pick to win it was? The, the LA Chargers, 22 to 1. And I thought that was a good one. I thought that was a good one. And your rationale? That they don't have questions at quarterback. They seem like they've got the Herbs. most the most room to grow based on what they've got there. Uh, and a second year under a head coach, you you assume there's going to be some you sort of a jump. That till I said that though. Okay. Were you? I, I I don't know. Oh, you you you. I mean, it's part of what I thought about when okay, I was when I was okay. picking my uh, and and it's a juicy number. I don't want to be insufferable. I didn't want to take I didn't want to take the Bills or, or the Chiefs. It just felt like I wouldn't well, get I, enough well, of a the payout. Point, the numbers, the point always. Yeah. Right? But you're saying here's why it was a good number. Yes. I took and I thought there were a couple good bets out here, but I went down to the Cleveland Browns at thirty five to one. You always, I, I love the teams that disappoint one year because it's like if the premise stays the same. Now, what, what's, the, what's the scenario? The Browns are a good bet. Well, first off, let's look at the other teams at 35 to 1 and compare. Saints without their coach, without a quarterback, even, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Okay. You also have the Seahawks. Come on. They don't even know if you're going to have Russell Wilson. And then the Vikings. No. I mean, how much better? If you had to pick one of those four teams, what would you pay? Like a 30% premium for the Browns? I wouldn't. You wouldn't? No. Do you want to double up that bet? No. Why? Because I don't want to double up a 35 to 1 that I'm already in oh, for. Oh, Jesus. Uh, maybe delay your pool a week or something. <laughs> That's all it would be. I mean, let, let me ask you a serious question. Is is this just that you got in your head almost like a rabid dog about like Baker? Yeah, Baker, about Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield I, not good. I don't believe Baker, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield not good. Except the first year under Stefanski, how was he? Good. He was, he was good. Good. So and he's he had like four injuries this year, and he had four injuries the year before. The year no, before he, he was good. He had he had one of the best rookie seasons in the last twenty years of rookie quarterbacks. That's objectively true. He had a great third year. He is hit or miss, but you know when you have a thirty-five to one, and when do you think he's going to be most motivated? You think the contract money? year? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. I know he's not Herbs. I know he's not Herbs. <laughs> 
Okay. Now, who did you take to say, no, 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 this team overrated, overvalued? The Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I knew you were going to take the Bengals, so I took the Bengals too. And then you played a trick on me. And that was, I told you before, I told you before, <laughs> didn't I? I didn't know that I didn't have to go up at all. I mean, listen, you're not, you learn things, but slowly. You make the rules to the game. Wait and a, let's face it, you make rules to the game that wait a minute, suits you. Wait a minute. Did it make any if, – if by having the superior picker win suits me, then yes. <laughs> but let me, let me ask you a serious question. If it was 17 to 1, well, you had to bet 17 to win one, but we both had it. So then what we did was is say, okay, we're going to do an auction to say, do you want it at 18 to 1? Do you want it? At and I used the word auction. Well, you realize typically an auction is incrementally things move. Mm -hmm. So what, and, and what McKenzie's going to say here when, when I tell him to is he's going to say, I mean, I mean, when I say this question, is I said, okay, let's go at 18, yes or no. And right, I said, yes or no. You heard that, didn't you, McKenzie? Yep. Uh-huh. He did. Actually. Okay. I got 75 with 80. 75, 70, 80. 80, 80, 80. Last call. All right. So what happened was I said no at 18. You said I'm bidding 18, like it's bridge or something. I just thought that was the least amount I could go up. But that's the most irrational part because why would I force you to if, – if you pick it at 17 – Seven, minus seventeen hundred. Let's say, why would I ever for anyone force you to go to eighteen? You could say, no, this is as high as I'm going. That's only common sense. Well, then what if we both said no? That then we both would have got it. Ah. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. Or maybe we would have had to go. That is interesting. I knew what you were going to do, so I didn't. You know, in my mind, I didn't even <laughs> think of that. But I guess we would have went to sixteen. You know, we would have went. I'm sorry, to seventeen fifty. 1725, 1701. Okay. If both of us said, if both of us said 1701, no, the, then we should both be fired from whatever. <laughs> the interesting thing is the, the reason why I was willing to move off the Bengals is because I felt really good about. Then why are you complaining about it? I'm not. I mean, it's fine. I, right. I, the, the team that I was going to switch to was the team that you switched to. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any documentation of that? Uh, just what I told McKinsey. All right. I believe it. And, and who did I switch to? The Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, that's true. Who apparently the numbers say is the, the, the biggest discrepancy between sharps and squares. Yep. Huh. I knew that just instinctively. I know. Some people have premonitions. I do agree. I'll give McKenzie credit. He's starting to get some instincts. He said, you know why I like that? Because it's right now it's 50. To, so the odds in our sharp consensus were 25 to 1, right? So um, I'm confused, McKenzie. If we do a sharp consensus... And the Westgate had it at 50 to 1. Why wouldn't 50 to 1 be here? Because we consider it an outlier. It's double the next highest payout at 25 to 1. And, and, that, and, that's, and we have an eliminator under that criteria? Yes. Okay. Best radio available I don't number. like that. I mean, I, I'm sure I made it up way back when. I think maybe what we should do is cut half the, half the difference. But we shouldn't act like that isn't there. I'm just saying, let's think on that. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do an exception log, whoever's doing this, of every time this comes into effect, and after a month we'll look and see and, and, and kind of make a rule that works for the circumstances. I like it. All right. Anyway, so that's fun. And, and to me, I could see something like this going three or four rounds. I agree. I yeah, mean, like every, every every month or so before the like a lead up to the season. I think that too, kinda maybe, but I could see something extensive like at different points. I also I hear about these things. There was like, uh, 
It was on the PFF. They were talking about a Calcutta. Have you heard of a Calcutta? I've heard of it. I don't know what it means exactly. It's, it, it feels like we should do something where, you know, we have the pregame point system. And do me a favor, McKenzie, for next week, let's update the – Have you, you didn't happen to update those points, did you? Not yet. Not for this year. Okay. Do that for uh, tomorrow on the radio, but we'll have it for next week. We should do something with the pregame points. So something we came – I mean, it's, you know, pretty logical. We said if you make the playoffs, you get one. If, if you advance to the second round, you get two, you know, an additional point. Yeah. And if you got the bye, you get two points because you advanced, right? And then every round after you get a point, and then we give an extra – so winning the Super Bowl gets two, though. We double it because that's so big. And in that scenario, do, do you draft every team on the board? I don't know. I don't know. But the thing is, that's a way we could measure the results. Now, what we did was we say, let's look at these franchises. And before last season – so it's been two years with nothing – if you look at during this century, Belichick and or the Patriots had doubled the the playoff pregame points of any other team. Wow! Think about. I mean, that. that's not surprising. I, I guess mean, it's when stunning you, though. It is stunning. You could take any two teams; they didn't have the playoff success that the Patriots had. <laughs> I mean, that's and I bet it's still pretty damn close. And that brings in like teams like the Steelers and Ravens, yeah. who make the playoffs basically every Green year. Bay, I think Green Bay. And Pittsburgh or Baltimore, I can't remember where the other. Where Those the are the teams that make it every year. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Pittsburgh doesn't, but yeah. The it, it, funny thing is when Pittsburgh had their best teams is when they wouldn't even make the playoffs some year. Remember, they didn't make the playoffs. Bill Cowers last year, remember, he coached one year after the Super Bowl win and took that prime team and did nothing with it. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about this week, and I hadn't got a chance to, I'll just do it on air. Go ahead. I, I like after the. Every, I like most of our interaction to be on air. A lot of people were complaining about the officiating in the Super Bowl, obviously. Yeah. And if you Google worst officiated Super Bowl, mm-hmm. it's always the same one: mm-hmm. Steelers Seahawks. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. The, the officiating in that game. Do you feel? I like, often comment on that. Oh, okay. I've, I just haven't heard it. What do I say, Mackenzie? Very well officiated. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Any time that I did it just a week ago. Oh, okay. I was like, we met Super Bowl forty. Well officiated. That okay. Game. Listen, I can tell you, I might be dead right now if they lost that game. I was, I would have been so upset. I mean, remember now, the Steelers won between my eight, when I they had four Super Bowl titles when I was like eleven years old. So like from my first memory, in fact, now that I close my eyes, the first thing I remember is Terry Bradshaw in Super Bowl nine beating the Minnesota Vikings, except it was the defense. It was like 16-6 was the final, right? Exactly correct. Exactly. And Rocky Blyer had an – oh, all right. He was in Vietnam, blew out – he tore up his hammy bad, had like a four-year fighting back. You ever read Fighting Back? No. It's actually good. I mean, he was in – he, he talks about how he got hurt. And, you know, he was, a, he was on the Steelers roster, got drafted, went and fought, hurt himself really bad. Didn't get back on the field, I think, to 74. So it was like four years. Wow. And then and then he was in what was in all four of the Super Bowls. I mean, it's a great story. That is wild. Huge. And it's getting generational now, but in Pittsburgh country, it was huge. Um, but after that, Bradshaw hurts his elbow. He's out like in 83. I don't want to scare anyone here. Bubby Brister. Cliff Stout. I'm not going in order. And and listen, he's a media guy, a nice guy, as nice as anyone. Mark Malone, but still not a great quarterback. Neil O'Donnell with the shoulder pads bigger than LTs. <laughs> Bam Morris at running back. I mean, even the 95 Super Bowl. All right. It finally, we it's 25 fucking years later. 
if they would have lost that game, I was so nervous. Oh, my God. And then I got so drunk. <laughs> I drank like three bottles of champagne like in an hour. Which that's a rare thing for you. Well, I used to drink, buddy, but at this point, okay. it still would have been a rare thing. I, I in high school, I don't think I've had more than like one or two drinks yeah, with you. I know. I, honest to God, my, you're gonna think this is crazy. On my 22nd birthday, not my 21st, my 22nd, I had a six pack of Tall Boys before I went to the bar. Tall Boys, mm -hmm. and I did 22 shots, and I don't. I was hungover for three days. Like the third day later, I was still. I it had to be alcohol poisoning. <laughs> I mean, who's hung over for three days? That's tough. That's the last time I ever really did whiskey. <laughs> I did that shot of Poppy Van Winkle with you. Uh -huh. That's probably the first shot since. Yeah. What are those? Like 50 a shot, isn't it? It's, it's up there. Mackenzie, you missed it. You know, Tom was out, our, you know, one of our sales guys. And he, you know, I grew up, Tom's a little younger than me, but we grew up together. He was in my wedding. And, uh, and, and, AJ is one of those types of if you're beneath him on the org chart, he does he acts like you don't exist. Is that fair to say? Is that fair to say, Mackenzie? Well, you say I, hi, you say hi to me, <laughs> and then you close the door. That for was some kind reason. of funny, actually. See, he did he didn't overham it up though. I like that. Okay, yeah, less is more with you, Mackenzie, with the comedy, even to the point we can't tell it's a joke because then it doesn't bomb. Okay. Right, you following? <laughs> like Bob Newhart style. Watch old Newhart. Love Bob Newhart. <laughs> Okay, see, when he gets a compliment, he's right hot on that mic yeah. again. No one cares what you think of Bob Newhart, <laughs> right? No, I'm not even going to say why I like him. Why do you like him? <laughs> oh, no, exactly. No one cares. He's a great stand-up. <laughs> now, the funny thing about Newhart is most people think of it when he ran the inn. But it was when he was a psychiatrist in Chicago that was good. You ever watch those? No. Oh, my God. You want to talk about Rye. You know who his best friend was? No. I always forget this guy's name. The guy that was the uh, the insult comic, Rickles, Don Rickles. Oh, but they used to. Why they would travel together for weeks at a time? They were. And so like you think of two different comedians that were totally yeah. different. Yeah, Rickles is funny. I tell you, he's what, revered by everyone. Yeah, yeah. He was quick-minded, man. He was quick-minded. <laughs> they always tell the the story. They told this one a good bit, but. Sinatra, you know, Sinatra, I mean, they were scared of Sinatra. I mean, he was, listen, what was his, Ruglio or something? Solly Ruglio? Like, he was as connected as, you know, I'm not saying he did business. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, like, yeah, he, you weren't messing with a guy who was acting like he was connected, right? Um, but they were scared of him. Even friends were, you know. But he was, he was the guy that could decide you were going to be the third guy on the tour and it would make your year. And if you pissed him off, you wouldn't be. And so it's like one of those things. It was money, obviously, too. But they were at the Copa, apparently. And uh, Don Rickles is there with, like, a new date or whatever. And he goes over. He says, Frank, hey. He goes, you mind? I go, I, I really like this girl. A couple minutes, you come over and introduce yourself and just, you know, be nice to us. And I, it'll help me with her. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. So Don goes back, sits down. Frank comes up a minute or two later and says, hey, Don, I just want to. He goes, Frank, not now. I'm busy. That's great. <laughs> but in a way, that worked, right? Because he, he would have been like, oh, my God, is my date's doing that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you watch the old Tonight shows and stuff. They had fun. You know, whatever the times have changed or whatever. But the Rat Pack had fun. How did we get to this? It doesn't matter. Oh. We only got 55 minutes. Though. Okay. <laughs> oh, 
Here's what I wanted to get to with that Pittsburgh Super Bowl. Oh, you were talking about you were crying about Seattle. You would have been depressed. Oh God! Now this was before Seattle was a brand name team. Like, so you asked the other day, what's more important to the NFL, the a good game or the right team winning? Mm -hmm. And you said, I think most of the time it's a good game. Mm -hmm. Do you think that until the end of the game? Do you think they wanted the right team to win in that Pittsburgh Seattle game? Like, do you think it was better for the NFL for Pittsburgh to win that game? There's only one call that gets the dispute. It was a holding call on, and it's just hard. It's like the, I still see it. It was like the shoulder pads got jostled or something. I don't know. The incidental contact, I think, is what they call it. <laughs> That's what they call it. All I know is this. When you, it's funny because I heard Colin say on Monday, he said, uh, I hope all the Bengals fans had a nice trip. And it's like, I don't think, if you're not a fan, I'm so happy that I've had that Pittsburgh fandom for the Steelers because I wouldn't understand it otherwise. Like, I would be, if the Steelers, when I was falling, I'm not like this anymore. I don't feel an affinity to this team. I feel like I root for, I want them to win. And I really like what Tomlin did, that they got him to the playoffs this year with all the naysayers. But to me, it, the amazing thing is the Browns, this is like the year they've been working for their whole life. They couldn't make the playoffs. And Pittsburgh, this is one of their down years, and they sneak in. Just, there are right. organizations that win. And I don't know what that is. I, I know longevity of the coaches is a key part, right? But my point would be is I really felt an affinity to that Steeler team. I thought Ryan Clark was one of the toughest dudes around. I don't love him on TV. Though, lately, I've been liking him more. But, you know, the guy had the sickle cell, however you're supposed to say that exactly, and he, they said this, this could whatever erupt or whatever, and he played in Denver and almost died. Now, we could say that's dumb, and it probably is to some degree, but, man, you want to talk about heart, right? I mean, Ike Taylor, they, his nickname was Nails. When you have, I mean, this guy wouldn't get hurt. I mean, he was a cornerback. He was tough. Stole that name from Lenny Dykstra. No, Lenny doesn't want to match with this guy. <laughs> and, and then, you know, obviously you had uh, Harrison who, you know, Harrison had whatever problem. I don't even know what problems they were. Were they, did he, he didn't have a domestic dispute. Did I don't he? think so. But didn't he, wasn't he known as a whore? Oh, because he was hitting people so hard. Oh, ooh, he's a bad guy because he hits people so hard. And, and then Big Ben obviously had an issue too, but he was the toughest quarterback that ever walked the earth, in my opinion. Hines Ward's like a— Hines uh, Ward, he retired. He could have had one more year, could have made like three, four million. He said, I don't want to ever put on a uniform. It's not the Steelers. That, to me, one, he's got money in the bank, yeah, but it's like who else has that? So is that your favorite team of all time? No, because when I was a kid, I mean, the Steelers in the 70s were the best team ever. I mean, it's not even a debate, really, in my opinion. Well, who's the teams that get the debate? Green Bay in the 60s, Steelers in the 70s. Niners in the 80s. San Fran, Dallas. Cowboys in the 90s. And Patriots. Patriots. Obviously, if there was a time machine, the Patriots would win because, you know, every generation. Bigger, stronger, faster. Exactly. But if you think about how good the rest of that conference was denver was a really good team with craig morton they got they they got lucky and won one super bowl right i think they won in 12 yeah i think the two or 12 no and, broncos didn't win their first super bowl till 98 okay so they made it and lost in tw- in super bowl 12 yeah lost three times in the 80s okay no 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 i'm super bowl 12 would have been like 78 77 so who's this who won super bowl 12 
Cowboys over the Broncos. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, and then you think that's funny. You remember it by the number like, instead of the year, like Super Bowl 12. I, I like that. My brain just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Mine doesn't either, except for those. Like right? I know the bills lost in 90, 91, 92, mm-hmm. 93. I don't know well, what year. Remember, what? these are single day. Like, like remember Steelers were in, and this was one of the greatest shirts I've ever saw. So I've only gone to one Super Bowl. I've only gone to one NFL game, which was the Super Bowl. I just didn't like that. I don't like stadiums. I'd rather watch it. Okay. But I got tickets to the Super Bowl. We should go Bowl. to a Raiders game next year. Maybe. If I'm in a luxury box, I'll go. I no, with the people, man. No, no, no. I get enough, <laughs> I get enough of the people walking to the car. But <laughs> and, and my Uber, and when I get food delivered, enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean. Thanks. Don't talk to me anymore, no, driver. No, no, no. What I, what I say is I, I talk through the door. I go, leave it at the table. <laughs> but, but I describe. Disguise my voice. I, you know, I don't want them knowing. It's like that, 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 it's a dude that run, that owns the house. I want them to think it's like the maid or like the uh, butler was. Except I live in a working class neighborhood, so there's no butlers in that neighborhood. <laughs> the butlers live in that neighborhood. <laughs> AJ, I w- my house would fit in your backyard. Oh, stop! I think. Stop! All right, but anyway, is there was a guy at the Super Bowl. This was the Arizona Super Bowl. Steelers uh, won that one, and he was about seventy, big, heavy set dude. And he goes, Super Bowl 9, 10, 13. It's just on his shirt. 14, 30, 40. I was there. And it's all the Steelers. That's pretty cool. It was like a homemade shirt. So I, I guess the 9, 10, 13, 14 is easier to remember than 30. And, and, and then the, the 95 one was 30. So it was kind of, you know, easy to remember, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't remember Matt. Well, 40 was easy. Matt's interesting, right? It's easy to remember 30 and 40. Yeah. Tuesday, yeah. Maybe it's just God came down. Do you think he didn't go to the Steelers-Packers Super Bowl? I don't know because it happened after that. Uh, and he looked older. He might have died. That might have killed him. <laughs> Men in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But what I would say is this. when the Steel- During those years when the Steelers lost on Sunday, if it was a game that mattered, I was mad till Tuesday. I really was. I mean, I wasn't. That surprises me about you. No, but I liked it. I want to have things to believe in. It's just things are so goddamn corrupt. I'm I'm talking about the world that it's hard to find something to believe in. So if you can believe in rooting for your team, it's, you know, what is it? It's childlike, right? Because children aren't worried about the corruptions of the world, you know, if they're lucky. But when you grow up, you start to face the world. But now it's like, can you find something that's pure? It's funny, my my neighbor when I was a kid used to come to my house if the Cowboys lost because his dad would beat on him if the Cowboys <laughs> lost. So he was like, if the cat when the Cowboys were bad, he's like, can I just come hang out at your place? Oh my god, was he a, <laughs> was he a Cowboy fan ultimately? I don't think so. I'm almost certain he wasn't. But yeah, it, it, this was like, this was through some uh, some lean years of, before the the Troy Aikman Michael Irvin guys before they really blew up. Uh, Unjustifiably <laughs> in a position that I'd rather not be in. That's tough. That's yeah. tough. Um, now, this isn't the same now. Let's be clear. <laughs> but it got to the point where Mary would leave leave for the afternoon. Because she, because what, and you know what's funny? Me and an old friend of mine, Matt, yeah, he coaches high school football in, in Columbus. He was a big Steeler fan. And his girlfriend and now wife, Lori, is her name, is... Lori and Mary would commiserate, but we didn't know this was happening separately. But if like one of them would walk by and the steel and something bad would happen, we'd be like, stay, you know, like don't walk by here. <laughs> and, if, and apparently he did the same thing. 
Like somehow they control what's well, going to happen on the team. You know how it is. You're so nervous. And, well, you don't though, because you don't have this. I don't get into it. No. You're just a cash register for a heart. I guess so. You never had a team you rooted for. No, I. It's not that I didn't have a team that I rooted for. It's that I. I never cared so much that I would let it ruin my day if that team lost. So you didn't. So it didn't matter if they won. No. See, that's the thing, man. If you don't love, that's what I'm missing out on. If you keep, don't risk heartbreak, you don't feel love. Yeah. Unless you get a prostitute. Yeah. Then you pay for it. Well, that's okay. I mean, I. You tell me. I don't know. <laughs> we are the dream preview, not straight out of Vegas. You know, actually, we got we got some sound from Fez. He didn't say this today, <laughs> but I think it's applicable. If you ask me right now to give you the names of my eight wives, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So we got our picks. You, so I took. Oh, did I give? Yeah, I got Tampa Bay fading. I got the Browns thirty-five to one taken. You got the Chargers. Chargers twenty-two to one. Well, that's, that's kind of a short payoff. You think so? No. <laughs> and the Bengals uh, eighteen to one. Oh, laying a little premium on them, huh? Yeah, more than I wanted to. I like it. I like it. All right, let's talk about the Super Bowl. You've got a theory on Stafford, and I think it's probably true. I think Matt Stafford ch- changed his legacy more with that game than any quarterback in the last 20 years, any player in the last 20 years did with a single game. And I, I think there's a couple guys you can make an argument for, but I, I think Stafford's the the home run guy here because you've you've heard in the last week, Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer now. And it's, or he's projected to be on a path. Right, but it felt like, uh, you know, a month ago, Matt Stafford couldn't win a big game. And now, well, he hadn't won a big game. One month later, he's they were fitting him for a jacket. It's just that. And if he lost that Super Bowl, we're not discussing that. It's still the the conversation's the same. Matt Stafford just couldn't get over the hump. So I, I think he's the guy with one game who changed the way he's going to be looked at forever. And you could say that well, every quarterback does because if Dan Marino would have won one, he'd be looked at as one of the two or three greatest of all time. But he didn't. So I I, I get that part of it. But I think going from a guy who was looked at as a stat compiler and just a, a, an overrated quarterback to... Well, I'm not sure he was considered overrated. I, I, don't, I don't think there was a lot of gravitas to his resume. It was a sense of like, hey, we really only care when the stakes are high. This guy hasn't ever had a situation where the stakes are high. So how can we take him so seriously? And he was just a number piler. And, and now he's... But, but there's a distinction, though, between a guy who, let's say, throws aggressively down by 14 when there's nothing on the line, really, but, but he really is good in those spots versus a guy who naturally is compiling stats but isn't making the playoffs. Yes. I, I don't... I think that he was, I don't know, but I think he was perceived to be someone that didn't have the, any big games, which kind of called into question the, all the stats. But I don't think he was purpose. Because the Cousins is known, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, where he's making throws and doing, like, you know, it's the old thing. Do you throw the Hail Mary at the end of the half that has a real chance to get intercepted? Or do you do what Aaron Rodgers does and, and protect five your numbers? The, yeah, and, and to me... I'm not sure it's unfair. There should be a stat that says if it's a desperation throw, it's not an interception. Because you can't. when there's millions of dollars at stakes, I don't think it's unreasonable for the guys to be considering that stuff. Right? I mean, Joe DiMaggio was sure trying to get a hit in that 57th sure. game. And, you know, to act like that's not the case, if anything, it's just sign Aaron Rodgers is an intelligent person. 
right? But 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 I wish the game had our interests aligned. The quarterback's interest and the team's interest should be aligned. They're not in that case. If a Hail Mary has a 1% chance of working and no downside except for the quarterback stats, maybe we should change that. Agree. Is there is there a guy who you think it has changed things more with a, with one game? No, because the people you might think, and when we were talking this through, I think what I realized was in the NFL you need to have both sides of the resume: regular season, postseason. Stafford had a good regular season resume and growing, nothing of consequence on the other side. Couple of playoff wins wouldn't. I think if he would have made this game and lost, I'm not sure it would have helped him. I think it would have been maybe a net negative. He lost a big game. I don't know. I'm saying the win gigantically changes it. So if I said you can only only one of these guys can make the Hall of Fame, Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, who gets in? Yeah, they're both about the same age, right? Uh, that's interesting. Boy, that. I feel like that's about as close as it could be because on one hand, Wilson's had, remember, this is the first year they didn't make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So in a way he hasn't, he, he won one Super Bowl, he lost one. He threw an inner, maybe the most, I don't want to say egregious, but the most disappointing, like probably the, we talk about a dream crusher. There's no throw in any Super Bowl that crushed a dream more than that one against the Patriots. Right? So on one hand, how does that weigh out versus the win? Right. Number two, he's been in the playoffs almost every year after this year. Stafford has the one win, but Stafford's probably the better quarterback statistically, uh, strength of arm, you know, all the different measurables. But on the other hand, Russell Wilson feels like more of a winner, more of a team guy, a team guy. But you know what? Maybe Stafford was just in Detroit. Maybe ultimately you got to give it to Wilson with the following caveat is Maybe the thing that makes Stafford the most or second in this case is his quote unquote loyalty to Detroit. If he would have been obstinate, if he would have been a squeaky wheel, if he would have been Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Yeah. If he would have been a squeaky wheel after seven seasons or eight seasons, he had five other seasons before this one. I got a feeling from what we saw this year, Stafford's career would look better but it doesn't. So do we reward loyalty or do we say you were a little too loyal? It's a good question. Now I will and we'll see what Russell Wilson does now that things aren't hunky dory for with the rest of his roster. Now I'll tell you this. Well, I think we saw, he started complaining last year. He just doesn't want to really complain. So yeah. he has his agent do it. I hate hypocrisy. I want, I want the truth. Unless it's, unless it smells, then I'll take hypocrisy. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want to, the truth can't be too gruesome. Sometimes we need lies, but in general, I prefer the truth, but I will say this. If I had to predict from here, who's going to have the better career, I would take Stafford. One, he's with the Rams in a better situation Two, I think I said this at the end of last year, we could say this is a coincidence or not, but Russell Wilson last year, so in 2020, his last eight games were his worst eight games of any point. Post hammer finger or whatever, mallet, mallet finger, it was as bad as anything he's ever had. And I know he looked a little better at the end. But you, if you take that seat, the last half of this season, last half of this season, that's a bottom quartile quarterback. Yeah. Now, is it a coincidence? I don't know. But when you're 5'11", and that qu- you're a little bit quicker than people thought, so you could escape and... Th- 
you know, he was a third round draft choice for a reason. Was he third or second? Third. For a reason. And then he showed he was just quick enough. But is he now just quick enough? Good question. Let's just say this. Wherever you think up to this point, Stafford, Russell Wilson from here, do you not clearly take well or not clearly take Stafford? Uh, the, the question to me becomes, does Russell Wilson change where he's at? If Russell Wilson ends up in a different situation, I, I think that I think Russell Wilson's upside but is greater bat- than Matt Stafford's. What has been in, what's been an indication of that the last two years? Nothing the last two years. And you know what? He's older now than he was two years ago. Sure. All right, we'll have time to figure this one out. As a former president once said, tune in. We'll see. All right, the game. All right, so the game itself. Let's talk about how great, and I'm going to put great in quotes, that the coach of the Rams, McVay. Now, my feeling on McVay is is simple. He's overrated by the people I trust. Overrated as an X's and O's guy. Just not elite elite. I don't know enough to judge it. Now, when you say he's overrated by the people you mm-hmm. trust, are you are you meaning the people you trust say he's overrated, mm-hmm. or you think they are overrating him? No, he's overrated by the people I trust are the ones doing the rating. Okay, okay. Because I – no, it's a good question. Is I don't trust myself to understand things that I don't – I know when I understand something. Yeah. It might be, you know, what I'm saying is most people don't really understand very much. They don't even know when they understand something. I know when I do. I know I can – you know, debated. I know I can get to at least what I perceive as the truth. When I don't understand something, I hate that because I don't want to talk and 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 say something that's not true and I and think it is. You know, at least you don't want to fake expertise. Yeah, I mean, listen. To some degree, anyone in our business has to be able to assimilate information and regurgitate it. But I really try to, you know, speak to where I'm, I'm speaking from. I'll be like, I'm not a film guy, but, right? And now I'm, I'm saying in my ability to assess how good these experts are, I'm picking the best ones and giving it to you. McVeigh isn't perceived to be great in that regard. The public, the media thinks he is. So I think he's overrated in that regard. Where he might be underrated, he might be the very best Sean McVay may be the very best at managing superstar egos in the modern era. This is a classic all-star team. Remember the uh, Washington then Redskins had one of those teams. Maybe it was 2000. I can't remember five, but they had like the best cornerback they've got from the Raiders. They had, it was like, they had like the dream team from three years before though. And it, it was just a lot of drama and came to nothing. And, you know, it's not common to get these kind of, uh, you know, all-star teams where you're getting a guy with half a year left on his contract, and then this is a this is almost like a baseball making some trades mm-hmm. at the deadline. And football is supposed to be a game of team of cohesion. The idea that uh, that OBJ was such a big part of that game before he got hurt. The idea that Von Miller was such a big part of that game. And they didn't have either of them at the halfway mark. Forget no preseason. Forget no training camp. You know, they they got a midseason. And you know what? You never hear a squawk out of anyone. Even OBJ settled yep. down. So to me, whatever he's doing, it's obviously raw, raw, stroke him. But you know what? If it works, it works. McVeigh may be the best guy for the egos, overrated with the X's and, and O's. And contrast that to Bruce Arians this year with the all-star team that they built in Tampa. And it melted. I mean, it worked and, for and a year. Had, and he had Tom Brady helping him. Yeah, it worked for a year and then it imploded. Well, listen, I hate Arians. 
In fact, I would say I'm more infuriated from Arians the way he would critique Brady after games than anything. That really irks you. (laughs) Because it's like, you know why he's doing it, right? He's trying to show the world. You you know, my brand's a straight talker. And you know what? Nobody is not going to be spared, however double negatives I use there, going to be spared my straight talk. Tom Brady, greatest of all time, maybe. But he sucked on that throw. He sucked on that throw. He better throw the ball better. (laughs) You think Tom Brady needs that from him? Apparently not. Apparently not. Belichick, do you ever hear him say anything about Brady? No. But, you know, you don't want to emulate that, Bruce Arians, because you're a straight talker. Well, he's a Super Bowl champion. Now he can say what he wants. I know. I know. Listen, I blame Brady. <laughs> For giving him that ring. <laughs> you think he would have had it He wouldn't have one. No, be, Brady gave him a ring. and now he's limping around with his Achilles wherever he is. Yep. Yeah, well, let me guess. I don't think he'll be coaching this he's year. He's flagrant now. Well, let's just say that he might coach this year, but if so, he'll be taking naps on the sidelines. He'll collect <laughs> one more check. And that's how I laid against him. Okay, what do you think of McVay? I think McVeigh's good, but I'm with you. I don't think that he's Jesus, you're the so future. With stuff. Yeah, I mean, we know you, we think he's good, but what do you think of him? I, I think that there, what I saw in the Super Bowl left me going, huh? But so you're judging, like, what are you? What didn't you like? I, I don't like that he feels like he needed to run the ball over and over and over, even when he was having absolutely no success with it. I thought that he, the, the call that he made right before the the the, uh, the two minute warning at the end of the game to run a play with two seconds left before the two-minute warning was, let's, was let's egregious. Let's be clear. There was a lot of – first of all, it's the coach's responsibility. But with 80 things going on at once, I mean, you can see – remember, the famous Seattle game where Belichick didn't call the timeout was driven by him understanding in the fog of war sometimes things happen. And we all know when you're rushing out the door when you have a plane or something, sometimes it's hard to think very simple things, right? You get distracted. Yeah. I, I'm, all I'm saying is I don't think he necessarily made that decision. I think the organizational uh, reality at the time didn't allow the right decision to be made, which is also an indictment. But it's a different indictment than someone sitting on their couch and saying, well, even I know to call that timeout. I'm better than – I'm not saying you're saying that, but that's what people yeah. say. It's like on Jeopardy. Oh, I could get that. I could get that. Look down at the hands on Jeopardy. They're all pressing it every freaking time. They, they pretty much all know it every time, or at least they think they do. But anyone on the couch is thinking they could win at Jeopardy. Not that easy. They can't. Okay. Do you feel like we talked about it on the radio show, you said you thought him being in the NFL, McVeigh, in 10 years was like 33%. I, th- I think it's an underdog. Uh, I, I don't think that he loves – I don't think he loves coaching football. I think he loves the the money that comes with it. I think he loves the fame, but I don't. Th- I, I think that he sees easier ways to that. And the fact that he's already talking about or even hinting at retirement, just tell like like you said, you've never heard Belichick say, ah, "I think I might hang it up at the end of this year." Like it, it, the guy, the lifers in football, they don't they don't do that. Yeah, and you could make the case maybe it makes it more amazing that that he's been as successful if he's not a quote unquote like if he doesn't have it in his blood maybe. Rams were the fifth team in Super Bowl history to average under two yards per carry. Do you have the list of the teams? No, yeah, I'll pull it up. I'm betting the Steel Curtain was a cause of one or two of those. The Bears probably caused one. Yeah, yeah. Bears were decent. It just felt crazy to me. That it wasn't Steel Curtain. It felt so predictable, the offense. At the, and I, I guess maybe my frustration with it was he talked about, man, I really have these regrets about that Patriots Super Bowl and being so vanilla and thinking I was going to be well, able to win the Super Bowl with that. There's a, first off, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but we're using vanilla generically. Conservative, I should have said. Okay, but what I'm saying is, was he conservative in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, or was it he had Jared Goff, and that was the only thing you could be? And also, running the ball is conservative, but I think the real problem with McVay is he doesn't make adjustments. It's like he might be, I'm just speculating here. Some people are fast thinkers. Some people are deep thinkers. He seems to be a pretty decent deep thinker because the game plan at the beginning always seems to be good. He didn't make any adjustments against the page or he didn't make the key adjustments against the Patriots. He didn't adjust here. I mean, it really was a situation where they just were forced to throw the ball because of the circumstances. And, and let's give Stafford credit. But I, I the whole narrative of McVay in the second half of the year getting worse is another example. Of not make it seems to be about not making adjustments. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And these are the things that make me think he's a good coach, but not a great coach. Not the next. I don't think he's the next Belichick, certainly. How's he stack up to Cousin Kyle? He's better than Kyle. Damn. Cousin yeah. Kyle? Better than Cousin Kyle. I mean, the 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 truth is out there. Like, that one guy's fight. been there and won now. Dude, you don't want to be the guy. That, the, the, so Arians is better than Kyle? No. Well, then I'm confused. You're belying your point. Yeah. But, I mean, these guys, I mean, they've got. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, please hold all tickets. The stewards have posted the inquiry sign. These are two guys who have a similar, you know, similar. They've been in the league for a similar amount of years. I'll stick by McVay. It's close, but I'll stick by McVay. Okay, but what I'm questioning is you used a criterion. You're right. I shouldn't have. All right, so what is the reason? There's been worse coaches than Kyle Shanahan that have won Super Bowls, certainly. So what's the reason that you think that McVay's better? I think that McVay. Cousin Kyle. I I think the reason that Cousin Kyle is is better, and it may not even be Kyle. Maybe it's the Rams are a smarter organization than the 49ers because they saw a flaw in quarterback. They saw what was keeping them from getting over the hump, and they went out and they made a move to get a guy like Matt Stafford that could get him over the hump. Hey, 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 Trey Lance. That's why I think the Rams are a smarter organization. <laughs> now, this is unusual. I don't know if I should put it through. This is apparently it's a selection of Shanahan's and Rivers that were all in the same room and they're calling on a speakerphone. Let's just listen. <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, Steelers were on that list. Oh my God. The Vikings in 74. Average 0.81 yards per rush. I've never seen it below one. And they attempted 21 rushes for 17 yards. Did the forward pass exist back then is the question. Well, not against this defense. (laughs) That was better than passing. You know, Steelers, I think Steelers had a safety in that game. That's how good that defense. I'm betting was. you're right, just because the fact that you, the way you remember shit like that out of the blue is sixteen six. Now first, what, first safety in Super Bowl history, of course. Uh-huh. That they don't call it the steel fucking curtain for nothing. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Think about that. What other defense? The no name defense, the monsters of the midway. What is that? A ride at a, a the, the steel- purple people leaders. <laughs> yeah, that was a whole different thing. I, I mean, the fact that it was during the disco era. The Ravens, did they, they're, they're good defense, they never were, even got a name. What good defense? The Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs. They wasn't defense. that good. Oh, come on. <laughs> Me, Joe Green. <laughs> I tell you this. Hey, Joe! I tell you this, no joke. What guys from the 70s could play today? Me and Joe's He's on, on the short list. freaking list. He's on the list. You know who else is? He'd be safety, Mel Blunt. Okay, I'll give you that one. You know how great Mel Blunt was? I don't. They had Only to, on film, They right? literally had to change the rules. 
Mel Blunt was like 6'3", like 2, I don't even know, 225. I mean, he was like, they used to be able to chuck all the way downfield, like all the way up to like 77, I think. So Mel Blunt comes in the league. He starts mugging them down. Those receivers couldn't catch a ball with their light to pat out because he's throwing them out of bounds all the way. Because he was gigantic, but he could run. They had to change the rule, so you couldn't chuck after five yards. It's it is called, a good rule it's called change. called the Mel Blunt rule. It is a good rule change, though. Look that up, McKay. Let's see. Let's see let's, we'll read someone rapsin, uh, raps, uh, rhapsody, soliloquy kind of thing. I don't know about the Mel Blunt rule. Oh, here it is. Before 78, the rule essentially gave Mel Blunt. <laughs> this is in the freaking Wikipedia. Or it's. Some other and other defensive backs. Yeah, that's they, cl- they could <laughs> their, their own delete button. They were allowed to uh, read that. I, I'm having trouble saying it. it says they, they were, were they were allowed to maul wide receivers more or less without limit. They could tackle receivers, throw them into the stands, shove them into school lockers, take their lunch money, basically do whatever they wanted. Maybe, but what I'm saying is, like, like literally, the, the rule was about Mel Blunt. He was that's so, awesome. I mean, that team was a good team, and the, I mean, think about the, the the Hall of Famers on that team: Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Mel Blunt, Joe Green. You got four Hall of Famers on one side of the ball. Mike Webster, maybe the best center of all time, maybe not now, but he was at that point. Lynn Swan. Hall of Famer, John Stallworth, Franco Harris, Terry Bradshaw, nine Hall of Famers on a team. And which one shouldn't have made it? Don't forget Mm. Art Rooney in the Hall of Fame. That's true. Pops, they called him. (laughs) I don't know if Stallworth made the Hall of Fame. Did I count him or not? I can't remember. He did. He did? Yep. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the little victories. really saying the Dallas Cowboys. Like, Like, what the hell did they have? Emmett Smith, a little overrated, but okay. Uh, cocaine receivers. I'm, I'm at the strip club snorting a big line. No. <laughs> John Cole was sleeping in his car, shooting the clear, like, and doing bench pressing. <laughs> I still remember on John Cole's 1978 football card, it says, John Cole can bench press 550 pounds. That was, like, the little note about him. Yeah, I re- that's, it's funny. Like, I didn't collect football cards when I was a kid. I, d- I liked baseball cards, but... Well, that was the bigger collect. Everyone collected baseball. But I remember the first time I saw, I had a football card, and it was of Anthony Munoz. Okay, Cincinnati Bengals. And on the back of it, it said bench press, 600 pounds. He was a monster. And I was like, that can't be real. (laughs) I'm a little kid. That can't be real. You see how that kind of thing gets people engaged? Yeah. Uh, All right. Anything? I mean, listen, to me on the game itself, I don't. I I, I got to learn to pronounce his name. What's the D coordinator from Cincinnati's name? Mackenzie, you know. This is funny. It's a tough name. We'll, we'll look it up. Lou Anarumo. Anarumo. It's a rumor that he was in a, Anarumo. Uh, Anna, Anna, I thought it was Anarumo. Anarumo. I don't know. Yeah. It might be Anarumo. We'll call him Lou. Lou. <laughs> Captain Lou. Captain. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> D, DC Lou. D.C. Lou has gotten a lot of good acclaim. So, like, listen, we're talking, I've been on the you know, bandwagon or maybe at the top half of it of saying the Bengals coaches, you know, McVay. Uh, Zach got, Taylor. Zach Taylor got the job over, you know, because he had a cup of coffee with McVay. You know what? I don't know. But I'm st- I know that D.C. Lou is getting a lot of acclaim. I know that he was smart enough to get out of the way, Zach Taylor, to some degree, 
with Burrow. So, I mean, it's hard for me to be as confident about Zach Taylor's limitations. That's one thing I take away from this game. We talked about our, our book at bitch game and we both picked up no, BITCA. Okay. We both booked the, we both like the Bengals to fade. What about, what about the Bengals? Do you like to fade? Because I think that, that if you look at the teams that they are competitive with, why are they better than the Chargers? I'm not sure they are. Why are they better than the Ravens? In fact, I don't think they are. If I mean, the injuries, I mean, if Lamar regresses like crazy, yeah, but why? We're not sure he will. Uh, I and think the Ravens had more injury, yeah. uh, you know. But I think they're better than Pittsburgh. Are they better than the Patriots? I mean, they were at a certain point. Are they better than the Bills? Are they better than KC? Are they better than Denver? If they, I mean, again, now it's Aaron. I mean, you know, I mean, it's possible if you did it. Are they better I, than the Titans? That's an interesting point, too, because, I mean, but the, I, I don't know. It's so, on one hand, you could say Vrabel's so good, and but then you think to yourself, when you trade for Julio Jones, he's never been healthy, aren't you? And if you say, if only he were healthy, maybe that's not the right way to do it. Tannehill's... Uh, being exposed a little bit is a trial. You know, I'm not too optimistic about them, but but I would make and I would bring the Browns in. Yeah. At what point did the Browns were the Browns clearly less of a team than Cincinnati? I don't know. Week 17, meaning like, this is a change. At any point during the season, the, the Browns had a, like a over under of ten and a half wins, if I'm going by memory, and Cincinnati was like five and a half. Yeah. Now, how much has that changed? Burrow has stepped up, no doubt. But it does bother me, too, that he's talking about another, you know, another knee sprain. How far was that from another blowout? Another and what, what about that offensive line makes you think that it can well, it, it can't prevent it? Well, obviously, they're going to put massive resources into it. But will they hit on them all? Yeah. And linemen take a while to, to gel. First year gel and even be good in their first year. Most linemen get good like in year three and four. Yep. So that's why you try to have a, a pipeline alignment. You try not to replace them all at once, certainly. Exactly. Now, listen, KC was able to do that, but look, it cost them a lot. Yep. And, and they hit on a couple draft choices on the line, which don't doesn't always happen. So what I'm saying is I think Joe Burrow, as a guy affecting his team more than just on the field, has been the most impressive NFL player. I would say he's one of the five most impressive. He rises raises the level of the team in the NFL in my era meaning go back to 1980 I don't know if there's five better and 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 I think that is amazing in itself he reminds me a little bit of Cam Newton uh oh my gosh huh not Cam Newton now I'm talking about MVP going oh, to the Super Bowl one, Cam Newton hold on that was one year we've seen one year of Joe Burrow yeah but when it's one of one versus one of like even at that point it was like one of five yeah what, what part are you I, talking about? It just about feels like like when he would walk in with that swagger that he wasn't going to let his team lose, and I saw the same thing when they I never won anything. Uh, well, Joe Burrow lost this game. I mean, it, it, it's just the right. he, he won the he won at Auburn just like Joe Burrow won at LSU, and Vince Young kind of had the same thing at Texas, although it never got to be in the NFL. But there's certain guys that it feels like the the team buys into, and it it feels certainly like everybody on the Bengals has bought into Joe Burrow. So. I disagree in the following way. Okay. I think some guys are so good that they naturally, it feels like they rise up the team, raise up the team, but it's not that as much as they're just that good. I think there's some guys that are good, maybe even that good, but they somehow connect with the other players and 
cause them to play better. So you, I get your point. You're saying you're, you were never scared if Cam Newton strutted in on your side. Okay, fine. But did, did it maybe the negative was taken away? There was no fear. But did you feel like I can do this? Because it felt like Cam was always a little distant from his teammates. He had the hats. The, he was, you know, he'd spend extra time in his life. I mean, it didn't feel like he was one of the boys. Now, I'm looking from a distance, right? So I'm not, you know, I know Belichick loved him. Joe Burrow basically walked into the, into the Super Bowl looking exactly like Cam Newton with the round brim hat and the zebra suit. I mean, it was crazy. It, they looked the same. Uh, well, <laughs> I, t- I tell you, uh, well, walking, I mean, I don't know, meaning that, that whatever, and, and again, this is where it's dangerous from a distance, meaning I'm, I admit I'm only looking at it from a distance, but it did feel like Cam separated himself and, and, and it feels like Burrow, re- I mean, when you hear the players on Cincy talk about Burrow, it's like they're talking about a cult leader, like their cult leader. I never heard that with Cam. Now, would I, maybe my reasons are wrong. I mean, Mackenzie, what do you think? No, I 100% have the same perception that Cam Newton was a star that people were into and, you know, supportive of. And but, was very good at different points. Yeah, but Joe Burrow's like a brother in arms and a leader yeah, in a different I think way. Yeah, so. Well, it's funny because he, <laughs> I, supposedly he wore, he just showed a picture of uh, why don't you tweet that and, and and do one with Cam? It doesn't have to be right now. Okay. And, and, and your Twitter account is AJ, AJ is the real. AJ is the real. R E A L. AJ is the real. You'll tweet that by tomorrow six a.m. Yep. I, and say you know comparison because <laughs> that's interesting. Um, I, I, I didn't hear it, but I heard of it where he had the diamonds or something. That was the week before. That Which was I uh, like that. You that was the, this look with I, the fur coat. I, well, I don't know about the fur coat. You know what's funny? He looks like he's like 20 years old. He does. He looks like a, like a kid. Isn't it, is it weird that we're talking about Like I was thinking about we were talking. We're going to talk some college basketball. We're going to talk some NBA. It's like your son, like your oldest son is 14. Mm-hmm. So in a couple of years, like, you know, I mean, really good baseball player. Nice, he says, sir. Nice. But the idea of me, like, spending a lot of time thinking about his mental state, you know, it just seems off, right? Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't do much college anymore. <laughs> right? It doesn't, I mean, it is weird where people are like, but where's the, di- the di- where, is the diamonds? It's in his, in his necklace here. Oh, okay. The I thought the actual side. necklace was diamonds. And but, they said, are those real diamonds? He said, oh, I make too much money to wear fake ones. You know what's funny? He looks like, like a, some frat boy. Uh, He's got that look is what I'm saying. I don't think I've ever seen his face. My wife said he looks like Macaulay Culkin if Macaulay Culkin hadn't gotten onto meth. Did Macaulay Culkin get on meth? Yes. Are you sure? Allegedly? Allegedly. Okay. And because you know on on, um, Succession, that's his brother, Macaulay Culkin's brother. Roman is? Yeah. They they do look – I didn't know that, but they do look similar. Yeah. You know, when you said that, it popped into my head. What episode are you on now? Uh, I'm like halfway through season two. Mm, I love it. But now it's the NBA time, and now it's McKenzie's audition. Did I pass the audition? Well, I'll tell you. Here's what we're going to do. Rapid fire, but not too fast. We're going to run through the biggest stories in the NBA up to this point of the season, kind of like since you've been gone or if you missed it, in case you missed it or something like that. Number one, and I'm going to pretty much go down the standings. I'm looking and I see the Miami Heat. We're taping on Wednesday at the pregame.com offices slash studio. 7 o'clock, exactly, Pacific. Miami Heat are tied for first. What the heck's going on with them? Because on one hand, they made the final, or they made the finals two years ago. On the other hand, I kept hearing, oh, there's a lot of injuries. What do you think? 
Miami Heat started off the season red hot. Jimmy Butler, best shooting percentage of his career. Only time he had a better player efficiency rating was last year, so he's been ascending. Same thing with Bad Bad Ascending, Bye. huh? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Just talk to me. And What's both those players on? were out, and everyone expected them to fall back to the pack, and they were able to maintain level. So how many games did they miss? I mean, just been, generally. Yeah, Butler's been in and out. He's missed 15, 20 games. Adebayo missed six weeks in a row. Okay, so could we make the case if they were healthy in the playoffs, they're clearly the best team in the East? Because if they have the best record tied for it and they've had all the injuries, has any contender in the East had more injuries? The Nets. I would only say the Brooklyn Nets have, yeah. Except a, a guy that, I mean, Kyrie is uncertain if he's coming back or however that's going to work, right? And Harden's gone. So yeah. in a way, but KD's way, missed a lot of time too. Yeah, the Nets. Uh, that's are, a good point. Nets are six and fifteen without KD this year. But here's the thing, they're not even close to first. They're in like tenth or ninth or whatever. Eighth, so yeah. I, I guess you're right. This is a contender that's been massively injured, but it's even hard to adjust with now Simmons. With you know, so let's just call them the wild card of okay. wild cards. I think that's a good point. Well, it's an interesting question because yeah, the Nets have had a lot of injuries. The Bucks, the reason why they're not performing so well isn't so clear. I mean, they're third place right now in the East. They still have better title odds than the Heat, so the market expects them to ascend to where they were last year. Well, first off, title odds, if we thought the market was always right, why are we betting? So I agree, but maybe the question ultimately here is, is the market wrong in this case? Should the Heat be the, you know, let's accept Brooklyn's a wild card. Other than Brooklyn, the Heat, do the Heat have the best chance, assuming injuries resolve themselves? I still think Philadelphia... I mean, they haven't had done anything this year to prove that they're better than the Heat, but they have a former MVP coming on. So that's a big question mark. But if I'm betting, I think the Sixers with Harden have a better chance than the Heat. The Heat started Why? the season. Why? Why? I'm asking you, yeah. why wouldn't the logic follow for the Heat? Or maybe is it you just have your opinion and you're reverse engineering stuff to it, and maybe the opinion's wrong. Why wouldn't the Heat? If, let me pose the question this way. If I were a handicapper that wasn't an expert in the NBA, but I started to engage in the NBA— and I said, hmm, it seems to me Miami's had the most key game losses of anyone, and we're setting Brooklyn aside. They have tied for the best record in the league up to this point. So if they've had the most detriments, the most negatives, and now those negatives are gone, and even with all the negatives, they were tied for the best record, why would I be wrong thinking the Heat should be the favorites in the East other than Brooklyn? I'm asking why would I be wrong? We've seen in the NBA, and you've brought me on this pod to talk the NBA, and I said you can't win without an elite guard bringing up the ball. The Heat, you could argue that they do have that in Jimmy Butler. I would say so. So Butler is the problem? Is is Butler's deficiencies are the problem? He's not really a lead guard. He has adopted the lead guard role for Philadelphia at times and for Miami at times. Well, is he adopting it for Miami this year? Yeah. Okay. And they have the best record even with him missing a bunch of games. It's still a question mark of him doing that. Uh, You know, it's it's still a question mark because he's playing at a different position, whereas James Harden's been an MVP at the position I'm saying is not. I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to talk James Harden right now. We'll talk James Harden. I get that you've got these ideas in your head. We could just have you write who you think, and then there's no conversation. I'm trying to understand the thinking behind it. So for you, it's the uncertainty of Jimmy But Say it out loud, and maybe it will sound goofy, or maybe it sounds right. The reason I'm doubtful of the Heat is Jimmy Butler having to be the lead guard is a big old question mark, and I think I'm not betting on that. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Boy, that doesn't sound too strong. 
I mean, Jimmy Butler seems to be a winner and a winner and a half, right? I mean, he doesn't seem to be the problem ever. At least, I mean, has he gotten old all of a sudden? I mean, I haven't really been engaged with the NBA. There's a reason they brought Kyle Lowry in, who's had a disappointing season and he's been hurt most of the year. is because Jimmy Butler is best, like LeBron James, at the small forward position. Or maybe they wanted to, they had a chance to get a, a talent yeah. and it worked. But, I mean, just because you, you think it's a sign of doubt. And, I mean, Jimmy Butler's been hurt over the years too, right? To have two, I don't think bringing in Lowry is, is a sign they don't have faith in Butler. No, but I think it's a sign that they have preference for Butler to play off the ball, more of a scorer, less of a distributor, which he'd be able to do if they have a, a guy like Kyle Lowry who's won a championship. Is he, is he out for the season? No, but he hasn't played great, and he hasn't played in the last couple of weeks. Okay, but odds are he'll be back for the playoffs. Yeah. And that's, he could be the answer there, too. So you're saying for the Heat's lead guard to be a problem – Lowry has to either be injured or play really poorly, or Butler has to also be injured or play really poorly. You're convincing me. I'm not sure. I don't know if you're not trying to, but well, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to understand. Like, I mean, I'm just looking at. It. I'm coming at it with 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 naive or um, innocent eyes, right? Is I don't know. I don't have biases with this stuff. I didn't. I don't know. How, I mean, I will know the NBA here in the next week, couple weeks. What do you think? I mean, just hearing it, AJ, what do you think? Yeah, I, one of the first things that I saw, and again, I'm a casual NBA viewer, the first thing that I noticed was the Heat and the Bulls are in first place, and I didn't think of either one of them as top-tier contenders. Even though you reminded me the Heat were just, you know, they were they made it to the end just, at not what, a year or two ago. Yeah, with the same core, Butler and Adebayo. Yeah, but... Uh, and, and they were young in a way that you would say the age hasn't... I mean, I know some people probably have gotten pushed on the wrong side of their prime, but they've had... But more, Tyler Hero's grown into his prime. Yeah, so, if yeah. I don't know. I, all I know is this. I heard someone on a podcast probably a month ago say they would pick the Heat to be the number one seed because up to that point they had had, had so many injuries that it doesn't seem as obvious in their case that that the injuries have caused a big problem uh, that they think is going to be resolved. And then they also, it was either they played a bunch of road games and not home games. It was something that made it where they were skewed, where they were the record wasn't as good as it should be. And now that I see they're in first, I'm thinking, okay, now it sounds like they're getting healthy. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let's leave that as a question. Maybe next week research it and see what you think. Maybe, you know, turn on Game Pass. Watch one of these games. All right, the Chicago Bulls. This is a surprise, right? To me, it is, certainly. I think anybody, even Michael Jordan, didn't know this was coming. What's going on? <laughs> Indeed, the Bulls opened up at 100 to 1 Are you odds. Reading? Now they're 35 to 1. No, I'm talking here, Jay. I'm uh, just having fun. I'm casual here. All right. So last, last... I, I saw him. He had a piece of paper. Was going, and the Bulls opened up at 1,000 <laughs> to 1. Oh, wait, 100 to 1. Their payout's been cut by two thirds, and it. DeMar DeRozan's an MVP candidate. He's having his best season, 25-player. Okay. You're stating the facts. What, why? What's going on? Why? Who's shocking? Who's doing better than we thought? I think you got to give Billy Donovan a lot of credit, his second year with Chicago. It's just an equally balanced team. I was, Zach Levine gets a lot of, oh, he's a highlight guy. He's a me guy. He's a scorer. He's taking a back seat to DeMar DeRozan. They work together. They dovetail together. So when you say taking a back seat, you're saying he, he hasn't made it, made it an ego thing. You're saying that, that they're working as a team and unselfishly. Yeah, his shots have gone down, and you don't see him taking shots that he shouldn't to try to get those numbers back up. And same thing with DeMar DeRozan. He, he's fit in there. I mean, DeRozan is getting first-team All-NBA talk. I think Jimmy Butler should be getting that talk instead well, of Well, you mean the guy, the guy that's the problem? <laughs> the main problem with the Heat? They're both small forwards. 
and Jimmy Butler's been better. I mean, you look at player efficiency rating, he's been better. But DeMar DeRozan, probably because the Bulls have been so surprising, has been getting, you know, all of the love that he's been getting, which is deserved. But, I mean, it, it takes – it takes an entire team. They brought in Lonzo Ball. He's been he's been doing well before his I mean, injury. Lonzo exceeded expectations massively, right? One hundred percent. He wasn't a shooter before coming into this year, and then he was hitting forty five percent of his threes. That's why they had the best offense in the league to start so the season. So, would it be fair to say the following? As much as we can say Chicago's number one, they're thirty seven and twenty one at this point. If they were thirty two and twenty six, so five games. They'd be like, you know, hey, that's pretty good, but it wouldn't be what they are. Yeah. And they'd be down there like around the uh, potentially seventh or eighth seed. So my point is maybe the answer here is simple. Listen, DeRozan was trending up for San Antonio in a way that, that wasn't really on the national radar. He took another step forward. The team has been unselfish. And no one's – and Lonzo Ball, before the injury, as you said – exceeded expectations greatly and they've been unselfish and thus that's probably the difference between 32 wins and 37 wins yeah it's been about chemistry we do the talent coming in on paper they added two all-stars we didn't think demar Derozan would be as good with or Chicago. lonzo yeah or nikola vucevic okay well the vucevic trade came from orlando right yeah like, and that was considered in hindsight a bad trade has he redeemed it this year He's been he he hasn't been the all star that they traded for, but he, yeah, no, he's been a solid. So it can't be if you give up too much for something, that's the reason you're winning. Because that that trade was got mixed reviews last year, and now you're saying he hasn't necessarily played as well as they expected. He's still an additional piece. I mean, you. But trade, they gave up things. They didn't get him for free. I think it was draft picks. Well, still, that means there's not players on the team, right? Yeah, but rookies in the NBA we've talked about before never never are going to be net positive on their first year. Wow, that's not never, but I hear you. Yeah, okay. no, balls one. Now, the defending champions, Giannis is, and listen, <laughs> I like Giannis, but I have a special affinity for him. Guy nice anti-toko umpo. They are not in first game and a half back. What's going on? They started off the season really poorly. By the way, so did the Suns, so did the Hawks, so did the Clippers. The Suns have 10 losses. How poorly could the start have been? Did they go they three like, and seven? Yeah, like, I mean, they were like six and four coming out of October. Is that but right? Those teams, which wow. are the, the final four teams from last year playoffs, eight and 15 against the spread in October. So it made sense, right? The, the playoff fatigue was a factor. But even though they're in third place, even though they have their players back, since January 1st, they only have a plus three net rating. All right, so explain that rating. Per 100 possessions, we want to know how much you're outscoring your team. Why per 100 possessions? Because... We don't want to give extra benefit to high-paced high teams or less benefit to low-paced teams. So we say equalize pace, 100 possessions per team. What's your net differential? So plus three is commensurate with what kind of record or what place in the league? One to 30. Like, where is that at? It'd be like ninth or eighth or ninth best team. All right. So you're saying even after the slow start, this has been in well, arbitrarily, you're going to say the new year, though it's not really arbitrary. Post-Christmas, there is a sense of that Christmas day is a demarcator. You're saying even then not great. Yeah, 12 and 10. They just lost as 11-point favorites to the Blazers. There's, it seems like they're kind of just waiting in the water, which is the opposite of what we said about the Bucks, you know, year after year, the last couple of years when they had the record-setting net ratings are close to it. Yeah, it seems to me this isn't a good sign. Now, they have a little trouble inside, right, is not enough size. Yes, Brooke Lopez was a starter for them all of last year, key part to the championship team. He had back surgery before the season. He was supposed to start. It's been pushed back. It's been pushed back. He just got a second back surgery. They said enough with that. They just traded for Serge Ibaka. So they're they're trying to get Giannis back into that forward role. Is Serge Ibaka's son or Serge Ibaka? Serge Ibaka. He's still playing? He's still playing. The championship 
War, uh, uh, Toronto Raptor. He wasn't playing much on the Clippers, but I think he will be a piece that factors in for this Bucks team. Well, yeah, if you don't play, I mean, if you can't <laughs> play on the Clippers, I mean, you got to be uh, getting a lot of minutes on the world champion, right? <laughs> he does one thing that they that they want, which is protect the rim, so you know Giannis can play. Clippers more didn't want a rim protection. Nah, they're just shooting threes. Decent. They said, forget that. That's for squares. <laughs> all right, maybe the biggest surprise in all of sports: the Cleveland Cavs. The Cavs won. 28 games out of their first 47. That means you would have cashed their season win total a month ago had you bet them before the season. So what, what, the season win before was, or entering the year was what? 27 and a half out of 82 games. So that, 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 talk about a no sweat. That, right. was, that one was all right. Yeah, all right now, why? Because they've had some injuries, right? Yes, they lost Callan Sexton, their, their one, number of their top guard, and Ricky Rubio early in the season. It's all been about Darius Garland, the point guard, and more importantly, I think, the rookie Evan Mobley. Oh, Bill Simmons. I think he's adopting Mobley or something. He loves him. Yeah, AJ, you might remember from USC. Yeah, he had very a big, good. Very big tournament. But it's been defensively. Yeah. Uh, Nate Duncan, a guy, a writer I like a lot. Best defensive rookie since Tim Duncan. Watching him, it, it, he does remind me of those early days, Duncan. So how big is he? About seven feet, seven feet tall. And he played, does he play the five? Yeah. And how's his offense? It's 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 you know strong for a rookie you know it's been a work in progress was now, it was it expected to be coming out of college anyway. But here's the thing, correct me if I'm wrong. As much as first year players don't often contribute, like Lamelo last year was a big surprise in that regard. It's yeah. usually do you see the talent that then can um, mature into something really good? But it's even harder to play strong defense as a rookie, right? I mean, you see some all. Rookies do fine on offense, but defense is almost a struggle in every case. Yeah, we talk often about effort being the biggest differentiator in defense. I think it's about as much as anything about experience, just being in the right place at the right time. And well, experience e and effort are inversely correlated. As you get older, you have less energy, right? I mean, in a weird way, that's why maybe there's only that sweet spot at 26, 27, 28, where you're both physically able to play D, but you got the experience to do it. Yeah, like because even Jordan and Kobe, they were good defenders, and then they weren't. And the only two guys to win, you know, Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, Jordan Akeem Olajuwon, both did it before the age of thirty. Now, didn't Giannis do it this year? Oh no, he did. Oh, oh god, oh last year. No, I last know? year he was uh, he was second. Rudy Gobert got Defensive Player of the Year. Okay, so he's was won he both awards, but not. The oh, okay, year. was he second or was um, Simmons second last year? I think Simmons. I think Ben was. Simmons was second. Yeah, but he was on the All Defensive Team, Giannis. Yeah. Okay, so. Can the Cavs do anything in the playoffs? Well, I'm actually really encouraged that they traded for addressing their guards. They got Karis Levert. I thought they'd be, you know, we're beating expectations, we're killing it. Those kind of stay pat. They traded assets. They traded future picks for Karis Levert, a shooting guard scoring about 18 points a game. That shows me they're going to try. I think they have about one conference or one playoff win in them. I mean, you, you just don't go places with with a 23 year old guard as your best player usually. Now, if there was a trade, you know, so Simmons does, uh, Bill Simmons does a trade value column. So the theory is you take into account the contract, the age, the quality of the player, and say, if the league were dra redrafting effectively, who would be the most, or maybe the better way to say, if this team was going to trade this player, how, what kind of haul could they get back? How many number ones? How many whatever? Where would you, this rookie for the Cavs, where is he, I mean, is he one of the top 10 valuable players in the league at this point? 
I think he's he's close. I don't. I, I have to look at my list. I, I'm not sure if he'd crack the top ten. So you have a trade value list. I mean, I'd have to create the list. I'd have to look uh, at my. But player you said I have to list. look at the list. I'd have to look at my player value list and look at some ages and do some calculations. You know, he. It's funny. He learned the wrong lesson from Faz. Like Faz, Faz's answer was always like, "Allow me to refer to my list," and it's like, "But you made the list." You know, it's like, he's like, I'm right about this. Look on this list. Well, whose list is that? You what? made the list. And now it's like, it's like, I'm going to get my precious. Now where that's interesting. I'm sorry. What's his Cavs player's name? again? Evan Mobley. Mobley. Okay. Evan Mobley. Is he going to be rookie of the year? Yes. Minus 350 right now. Okay. Be rookie of the year. No, you had that right at the tip. All right. Mobley. Where's he at on your list? I, I just, just, this is just the best players, right? Oh, the list you got is just the best players in the NBA. Yeah, correct. Is Mobley on the list? I've not added him to the list yet. No. But you just updated it last week. I updated it with current players. I didn't. Well, he's not playing currently. I need to update the list to add new players that deserve there, including Evan Mobley. Okay. Would you put that out on Twitter? Maybe I would at Mac and rivers. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Continue. Tell me, you better impress me in the next couple. We might call this short. All right, Sixers. Now, obviously, obviously, Harden, big deal. I got a take on this one. I think the Sixers did great considering Simmons refused to play for them. But I think we all agree probably would be better if they had Simmons happy and playing for them. Because as much as Harden's better, I mean, you just look at the age. You know, Embiid and Simmons could have been together for, in per, or not in perpetuity, but for another decade. And who knows? Again, there's real questions about Embiid's health and a big man, a man that big staying healthy is tough. I mean, think about it. Hakeem was like the only one. Kareem and Hakeem. Otherwise, they bang. I mean, Shaq got old fast. He didn't get injured as much, but, and obviously Walton, you know, Yao Ming. I mean, you get big enough, man, it's tough. Yeah. Body's not made to take that pounding. <laughs> David Robinson, I guess he lasted a while. Yeah, but yeah, he was a great. He was a real fitness guy too. Yeah, but he had a back problem for a long time. Yeah. Remember, they missed a the whole year. No, when, you're Dun right. when Duncan. Uh, maybe Duncan's the example of a big man yeah, who lasted. Sure. He kept losing weight, but he wasn't a big, big man. I mean, was Duncan even seven foot? He was like he was six seven eleven. Footer. Well, six eleven, seven foot. Yeah. But I'm saying nowadays guards are six eleven. Like he's like seven three. Yeah. I mean, Embiid's a monster. So. I guess, do you agree with me that the Sixers got a good haul considering they were forced to trade Simmons, but it would maybe have been better not to trade Simmons? What I know for sure is Brooklyn would have been better off not having to trade Harden, but considering that they were kind of forced to, they both the teams did well, but I think if they would have kept their players happy, it would have been better. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the Nets entering the playoffs last year when they had the big three healthy were even money versus the field to win the championship, so... Inarguably, they would be better if they were able to get the big three together. The Sixers is an interesting case because I was always skeptical that Simmons and Embiid would work ever. And I didn't know about their personality riff, and I didn't know that you know they seemed to not like each other. But just on, on, the, on the court, they didn't work. That said, having a 25-year-old work together with a 24-year-old for the next 10 years is a much bigger, is a much better prospect to me than having a 33-year-old Harden who's really in, in winner, winner now mode. But if I'm the if winner I'm, now, what's that called? What's that about? I win, mean, win, I, win, winner now? Are you talking about like a winner tire that he has around his, his, his stomach? Or what are you talking about? He has a very short window. Win, win now. Win or, now. Or, okay. Yeah. See, it's win now, AJ. Who are you taxing with, bud? 
my wife was asking me uh, an ETA. How are you be home when you're home? Well, you I, say it like that. I told her 50 minutes, which is what we we said. So yeah. Well, listen, we're trying to. Get, I know. I know you don't like Mackenzie getting the profile. I'm fine with it. I was just letting her know not to uh, not to be waiting on me. So. Read the odds. Let's read the favorites in the East. Well, the, the title favorites from the East right now. Sure. So the Nets are still favorite of the Eastern teams at plus five seventy five. Okay, but, but remember, five seventy five were they were even money going to the playoffs. And let's make the case that last year's probably had a tougher league at that point. Meaning the Lakers were still considered very viable. Really not now. The Clippers uh, were one of the obviously six points better than they are right now. That's a good point. And then. Uh, it looks like Milwaukee was better. I mean, so in general, I, it's hard to now listen. The Suns are the wild card. The Suns are this good, then okay. But and the Warriors weren't good last year. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how good the Warriors are. But I mean, you're right. They're 42 and 60. So let's say at worst, it's it's about the same even field. But I think it was a little tougher last year. But okay. Um, I mean, that's a major difference, but still the favor. All right, next. Next are Bucks at six to one. So just a little bit behind the. the I'm sorry. The Bucks are six to one, a little bit behind the Nets, and then the Sixers at plus six fifty. Then the Heat at twelve to one. All right. So what we're saying, there's a big three teams, and the Heat at twelve to one. I gotta, I gotta really talk to some people about this Heat. I think there's some value there. Okay. Did you upgrade or down? What did the market do when Philly made this trade? Massively upgraded the Sixers. Title odds went from fourteen to one to plus six fifty. So fourteen to one to plus six fifty. Okay, and what did they do with the Nets? Slight downgrade immediately. The next day after trade deadline, they went from four to one to plus four twenty-five. By Monday, it was five seventy-five. So I'm not sure if that was a couple losses. And what did I? What, what did I say right after the trade? I said it's a massive downgrade for Brooklyn because Simmons is a complete X factor. I mean, if we believe his mental health stuff, how do we know it's going to get better? What do you make of? I'm not sure if you saw this. Ben Simmons showing up at at, uh, at Barclays Center, cheering on the team. You know, just out of nowhere, he was never at a Sixers game cheering on his team. Yeah, but obviously he was in conflict with the team. I think it's nothing but a good sign, but it's it's almost a bare minimum if he wouldn't show up. But it it does belie the story of, you know, the mental health. But again, I don't know, right? I could be crazy not know it. If you're crazy, you don't know it, AJ. That's the whole point. So think about that. It's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Simmons is not as good as Harden at his best right now. Simmons, like he was playing in the playoffs, is not even close to as good as Harden. And let's not forget, too, even the late – remember, like, the uh, Laker – let's think of Miami's big three. What were they famously, like, 9-8 and eight the first 17 games? Yep. It takes time to integrate. Do you do that during the playoffs? This is a disaster, I think, for the Nets. The, the one thing I would say, and I agree overall, like grand scheme, is James Harden a better player than Ben Simmons for sure. But I think how good he can be defensively, and I don't think it takes him long to get back into that. But what about his mental problems? I mean, I, do we think James Harden doesn't have mental problems? I don't know. He, he seems to play all right if he's not disgruntled. <laughs> he's often disgruntled, though. Yeah, he's been awful. Dis uh, listen, I don't know. I, from what I understand, Nash has been a really good coach where the X's and O's people are, are, are very impressed by, but he seems to be a player's coach. What could have happened? That could, I mean, I hear speculation. Uh, maybe Harden was mad because Kyrie wasn't playing. It's like... 
Do you think really Harden has like a, a huge like progressive agenda about the vaccine? No. So then the question becomes: You think he's mad because he's getting too many minutes? I think Harden went there thinking that it was that he was going to be playing with two other top players, and, and they've and played mostly, how many games to, and, together? And mostly, but this season is it looked like all signs were pointing to the playoffs and them being healthy for it. And you're right; there's a, a heck of a chance that that won't happen. Because who knows? There's a lot of raggedness with it, the health and what. But if the big three stayed together, Brooklyn would have been equal. I mean, is there any reason they'd be less of a favor? Now they probably they'd be less of a favor because there's kind of a stink on them from last year a little. But if let's just say this: if every team stayed healthy, the whole playoffs is anyone in the other than the wild card of the Suns? Brooklyn's the best team. It's not even close with Harden, right? No doubt. I mean, the Nets beat the, the Bucks by 40 points in game one when they were all healthy, and they were significant favorites entering the series. And that's the team that won it. And that's the team that won it. And they still almost beat them with, with like one and a half players or three down. Kevin Durant had a half a toe on the line. Would have been for a tie, but yeah. Yep. I mean, so my point is they took this year, and, and what's the story about Harden and, and re-upping or, or, or opting out of his contract that then he didn't because it was past the deadline? Did you read about this? I only heard during the dread deadline that part of the trade was that he had to opt into one year, $47 million. AJ, do me a favor as we're talking. Look up the, the opt-out. I think he didn't get his paperwork in on time. Okay, so looking at uh, – let's see at the east here. We got Philly. You talk, now, So what do you expect with Harden Philly? I mean, it's hard to know, but, I mean, we got to trust Daryl Morey. feels like there's a reason for this. I'll say this. Last year, Harden, everyone was sticking forks in him when he was with Houston and playing terribly, and then he ended up looking pretty good with Brooklyn. He was, he, he was an MVP. Uh, yeah, no doubt. He was one of the best players for multiple months last year. He was the best player for multiple months last year when he was motivated. Okay. But now the question is, what's the fit with Embiid? Because, I mean, they're both pretty ball-intensive, right? Yeah, but they, they take the play, where they get the balls in different situations. But there's only one ball. Yeah, but if, if you're going to take turns? Essentially, yeah. Well, that's Hard, not the Harden's way good basketball break. happens, right? It's supposed to be you're, dynamic. You're, you're 100% right, and that's why Phil Jackson had the triangle, which begrudgingly made stars like Kobe and Michael Jordan get the ball about a third of possessions because that's how it was going to most effectively get them in their rotation. I'm not sure the Sixers and Doc Rivers are ready to run that. I'm not sure Harden is ready to take the ball out of his hands. So that could, it could be conflict, yeah. James has not signed his opt-in. He can still opt-in anytime by June 30th. And his player option salary of $47.3 million is slightly higher than his max salary as a free agent of $46.5 million. So, But it's like one year versus what? Because my understanding was he, he agreed to opt in. But he hasn't done it yet. Doing the trade. And it says so Phil- it was just a handshake? Oh, they're in trouble there. Yeah. That'd be funny. He goes, I want out of here. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you 30 seconds on the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau was coach of the year in 2012, his first year with the Chicago Bulls. He played Luol Deng the most minutes out of anybody in the league. The next year, they all got hurt. They were much worse. Fast forward 10 years later, New York Knicks, first time they made the playoffs in eight years. Unbelievable. Julius Randle's huge leap, and he played the most minutes of any right, so, player so in the t- league. You're saying Thibodeau is wearing these guys down. Yes, it's been three for three, his best Year with a new team is the first year. Happened okay, with the that's Bulls, pretty good. Did you, do you have Timberwolves. a big under ticket on the Knicks? I don't. This was a theory that I developed after they sucked this year. That happened. That <laughs> happened. So if Thibodeau gets another job. Oh, fading them. You're under. Gonna, I mean, it's going to be like. Second year under. All right. 
You know, AJ, I don't think we're going to have time for the CBB. That's I all think, right. I think tomorrow, I think it's enough basketball. So we're going to run through the, I'm just letting you know, in case you can say the pot roast, hey, put man. that in 15 minutes early. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with whatever mic time you want me to have. I'm here for it. Well, Mackenzie likes to take it up, buddy. Okay. Phoenix Suns. Now listen, 47 and 10. And they started, what was it? One, one and three. three. I'm just going to do the math. That's really good. <laughs> 46 and seven. That's well over 50%. <laughs> okay. Now we were talking before and you said something interesting, Mackenzie, is you said, if you look at the youth, the youths, as some would say, of this Did you team, say youths? <laughs> except for Chris Paul. And I think he shades things where it's like Chris Paul's old. He's the, the, the gray hair. But Chris Paul, I don't know if it's a plant-based diet or what. He looks pretty damn young, or at least he doesn't hasn't dropped off. And the rest of the team, every one of them that matters, is it right, Mackenzie? Everyone is the year since last year most likely would be closer to their prime now. And looking at it on the court, that's the case. Maybe take off some of the key players. Yeah, that's the big three. DeAndre Ayton came into the league as the number one overall draft pick, but wasn't thought of as a defensive center. Now he is. Now he's a really solid center. I think he's going to get that max contract, which they denied him in the summer. Then you look at Devin Booker, solid shooting guard, all pro. Whoa, whoa, solid shooter. He was an elite offensive player last year, right? Yeah, he's continued that, and he's added being one of the better defensive players. That's why the net, that's one of the reasons why the Suns have the best defensive rating in the league. Even Rudy Gobert, his rival, apparently took notice of that, much to the chagrin. It's apparent. Is it apparently that he's his rival? Well, I mean, I don't know. He, he's talking about him and not his own teammate, Donovan Mitchell. He's given him a lot of praise, but I guess mm-hmm. that's what you do when you, you know, you're impressed. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it seems that, listen, Mitchell was got mad at that, right? So, I mean, it must, it has to cut both ways, meaning it must be a positive, right? Okay. Meaning if he makes his own guy mad, he must be saying something positive about the other guy. Go bear. Right. Okay. So. And then the last piece is Mikhail Bridges, who was good last year, but now he's one of the best defensive players in the league. Now here's the question. One of the best. Wow. Okay. Is if you look at the uh, efficiency one of the things we do in the NFL is we say, is it offense scoring more or is it defense allowing less? Are we able to do that analysis in the NBA? I mean, if we look at their net number was from last year, has the offense gone? What's the difference between last year's number and this year's number? Is it offense or defense? It's 100 percent defense. They, right. they were a good defensive team last year. Now they're the best team in the league on defense this year. Well, we're going to go back to the trusty after every hundred possessions and the numbers show that defense is where the improvement has been. Yes. Last year, the Suns were a good defensive team, 112 points per hundred possessions. They yielded this year. They yield only 106 points per possession, six points better. Okay. And how's the offense? What's the offense done this year? They're at 115. All right. So the question is, is it going to be uh, up or down last year? They were at 117. Okay. So that's a plus four meaning that they lost two on one, gained six on the other. And this was a team that was, remember, they won their division last year. Yes, they did. Well, that was, I tell you this, you ever talk about a, a um, harbinger is in the bubble when they won those seven games in a row? Remember? Without Chris Paul, eight, no. Yeah, was it eight? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, yeah. Now, the Suns, though, are, are not the title favorite, or are they? They're co-title favorites with the Golden State Warriors. Anyone that thinks the market's efficient – how can you look at Golden State, who is trending down, right? I mean, and let's segue there. Obviously, Steph Curry, a lot of love for him. Everyone wanted to will him to be the MVP. They call him machine gun <laughs> at this point. Is that true? 
Yeah, Steph Curry's shooting numbers down are across the board. I think it's just because he's taking more shots. He's taking a career high in three points per game, and he's just taking three more. Three points or three pointers? Three pointers per game. Okay, career high. Yes. Are they trending down, though? Like, now that they've got Clay back, that seems like they would be trending up. You get a guy like that back as he gets better, it seems like. But I agree. So do we have some splits, like calendar splits? Yeah, I think Clay Thompson has been Clay Thompson the last five games. You look at his shooting percentage, true shooting percentage, 60%. That's Clay Thompson. In January, his first 20 games or so, you know, terrible. Worst shooting percentage of his career, worst PR of his career. You know, he was rusty. It looked like he was rusty. But if you didn't know that, if you just had blinders on and saw the last five games, you say that's Clay Thompson. Now, I know it's the eye test, but is he? Is does he feel like – remember, he would have been two years older anyway. Does it feel like he's moving right? Or, I mean, what's the feeling on his movement? He seems a little more uh, robotic in his movements. Mm. Doesn't seem like the defender that he used to be. Lumbering. Lumbering is a good word. But is he lumbering in the last five games? Because the question is, if he's finally gotten the rust off and he's going to be a, a, a pretty close version – of what he was before, then that's exciting. If it's he just got hot from deep, that doesn't. He's still going to be lumbering and he's still going to be limited. Which one does it feel like? I think it feels like he's getting he's getting healthier. He uh, they go, they went to him. I think his first game basketball shape. Yeah, like they went to him against the Grizzlies in a close game in January, like five different times. They force fed him in the end of the game and they lost it. Now he's actually hitting game winning shots like he did against the Lakers. So I think that's a good segue. Let's go to the Lakers. Oh, go finish your point. I think the fact that he was shooting so poorly had something to do with the fact that they said, hey, man, keep shooting. We're going to get you out of this. Okay. We got the Lakers. But gonna, first. We okay. can't skip the Grizzlies. I know. I was going to say, but first. Okay. We got a lot of producers here. The Grizzlies. <laughs> so before the season, my man A.J. Hoffman said, hey. Oh, is this why? He, he that's why. Stat? The Memphis okay. Grizzlies have a lot of young players I like. Their season win is only 37. What about the Grizzlies? I said, I'm not so sure. I'll get back to you. Well. Did you? So he kept you from a ticket. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. The Grizzlies are forty and nineteen against the spread, by far the best in the league, sixty-eight percent. Number three in the West, surpassing all expectations. Are you reading standings? Give me what's going on with this team. So everyone's giving all the credit to John Morant, twelfth, uh, fifth MVP favorite at twelve to one. All right. Do you think Morant's overrated? Getting too much. I mean, I did I'm last, not talking about yeah. the assigning of credit. Is Morant? I mean, from what I hear, one of the true. I mean, he's able to. I mean, he's not only got the good play, but he's got the physical tools. He could be almost not a Jordan. We never want to say that, but he's a high flyer, right? I mean, at this point, here's the question: At what point would you redraft and Zion wouldn't go one? Are we, I think today. today. Are we? Now, I think last year maybe. Well, that no one thought that last year. <laughs> Remember last year. Zion had the most points. I think this is per 36 minutes of any player in NBA history. He was, thus, he was the most effective scorer by volume over Wilt freaking Chamberlain. Okay. Right? I remember we were on SOV when he, set, he tied the record with Shaq for most 25-point games, shooting over 50% last year. And now somehow someone gave him an unlimited Wendy's chili thing, <laughs> and it's just like, look out below. What did you think of him going to Portland to rehab? Why not rehab, you know, with your team? Well, they got, listen, he likes the burgers up there. <laughs> no, I, I mean, listen, obviously, here's the thing, and we just got to be honest with ourselves for a second. Anyone who didn't grow up in an urban area as a minority, you can try to understand it, but you're not going to understand it. Just like minorities in urban areas can't understand me growing up in hillbilly country or whatever in Ohio. So we all got different experiences. But it strikes me that the... And Mackenzie, you being 
a person of color, as they say these days, is... <laughs> Me and Mike McDaniel, yep. Yeah, yeah, but you're... Um, Darker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know... <laughs> what I will say, well, the real question is um, Whitworth. I still am confused by him. I've done... 10, 20 minutes of research, I'm, I give up. I yeah, give I'm up. telling I you. I d I, that doesn't confuse me at all. Have what you seen mean? his parents? That's the picture I need. I need to see both of his parents. What well, doesn't confuse you? He looks black. He's, he doesn't. He's dark. He's darker than you, no, man. There's a, he's half realize, in between. There is that two. picture that does it. Do you realize that you have someone who's a person of color, a.k.a. whatever? He's darker than my brother. I'm serious. It's like the guy, it's funny. It's one thing if AJ said, you know, I still think it. He's going, this isn't confusing. <laughs> he's acting like he's the authority on this. I, I just don't get it. I mean, then, then ex we'll explain it to you, my man. <laughs> like, show, can this guy be whiter? No, he he look he looks like the old one at the barber shop. Oftentimes. Yeah, I'm I'm telling you, there are black guys that look like that. Yeah, I'm. Serious. Wow. Yeah. And James, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, there's not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is it's just as curious to me. It's curious. But anyway, I think we can all agree that Zion got massive talent and he's got a massive appetite. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean there's one, I mean, I don't even know if some of the pictures are real. I keep seeing these pictures. <laughs> I, I mean, we actually got some sound of him and this was just last week. That's a bang bang. Well, that's where we go have a whole meal at one place and then go right to another place and have another one. Bang bang. Maybe we should start calling Zion bang bang. bang. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> All right. So anyway, you, you unequivocally it's Morant over him now. Yes. Well, I wonder what the consensus. I'm gonna do a Twitter poll. I I know I've been threatening and I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I wanna see it. All right, so you got a guy that you think, hey, you're a contrarian, so everyone loves Morant. You don't, you can't feel special because you got special insight. So you're going to find a way to have special insight. Jaron Jackson Jr., top five pick on this Grizzlies team. Yeah, Triple J. I think he's as important as Morant defensively. He's seen his defensive player of the year odds surge. So just to be clear, you think he's as important defensively or he's as important, period. Defensively, his game... Is that it? The second one. He's okay. as important, and it's not as known. It's not as obvious because it's all on the defensive side of the floor. Brad Stevens once said, when I get a defensive metric in an email, I delete the email because it's impossible for numbers to really gather. But the best we can do, I think— It's impossible for numbers to really gather. What def— what def uh, Gather or measure? To measure defensive performance. Okay. I, you had a great— as some would say, antidote, but but then you then it, it's funny. Whenever he does well, he get. I'd like to see his brain hooked up onto like you know, an MRI and see the way shit's he, going too good. I better stumble yeah, here. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like do something dumb, dumb now, now. But and then it, like it, it's like an angel and the devil, and the angel's like, but you're doing so well right now, my kids. The devil's like, nope. Fuck it up, man. No. Fuck it up. The other one, the devil, the one saying, you're doing so well right now. The other one says, but you're doing so well right now. <laughs> Is this what you want to be remembered for? <laughs> it's crash, baby. <laughs> All right, enough. <laughs> Go ahead, finish up. So, John Moran on the season, four points. The Grizzlies are four points better on offense, but six points worse on defense. When he's on the court. When he's on the court. John Morant. So, you're saying six points Morant worse on is a net negative. Yeah, and so doesn't that show you how on and off is not one to really spend too much time with? And the, but the Grizzlies are twelve and two when Morant doesn't play. So even, so you're saying they should trade, give, they should cut him. 
No, I'm saying there's other things going on with this team. Which explains- How bad is Bang Bang if Morant's <laughs> in that negative you take him over it? I think there's other things going on with this team, which was why they're 70% against the spread. It's not just the MVP favorite. Jaron Jackson Jr. leading the league in blocks. All right, all and right. The- Cruisers are four points better on defense and only one point worse on offense, so that's a net plus three. Morant is a net negative two. JJJ deserves more But you more understand credit. when a stat makes you look, when a stat is ridiculous or has a ridiculous conclusion, it actually works against the stat's veracity. I could see. Like, remember, I had an idea, hey, here's how we're going to gather the best quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Now, this is the list of last two years, meaning combined. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Sounds like a good list. Ryan Tannehill, all right, Herbert, Murray, Wilson, Derek Carr, Cousins, Stafford, Prescott, Burrow, Jackson, Ryan. I almost feel like, a, I mean, we can debate Lamar Jackson, we can debate Tannehill, but that's almost a perfect list. Then, continuing, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, Wentz, Jimmy G, Goff, Hurts, Bridgewater, Tua, Big Ben, Sam Darnold. It's like the that the second one's the list of quarterbacks you don't want. Exactly. <laughs> so that is a good stat. I invented it. Now, <laughs> well, kind of. Not really. But now, your stat says Morant is a net negative for the team. You know what you do with that stat? Throw it away. Don't you? How can't you agree with that? Well, I mean, if you if you had that stat and he had similar defensive metrics last year, and you said, okay, well, I think the Grizzlies are going to do fine without him, and you bet on him every time that Morant was out. You'd be 12 and 2 this year. That okay, but works. A, here's the thing. There's a different conversation of can this team play well without him versus is this team better without him? Yeah, and I don't think the Grizzlies. But your are... stat says he's better without him. It's an interesting. I mean, you see my dilemma here. Like, I, I think he's worse than expected or worse than other people might think. I still think he's a net positive. Pe- okay, and that's why I'm saying if you, you use a stat out. that says otherwise, okay. you've got to question the stat. Makes and, sense. and it is consensus in the analytics community that on off has major flaws. No doubt. Yeah. You can't control who else is on the court with you. You can't control if they play you minutes where you have a much worse chance than other minutes or if they take you off the court when you're losing. Yeah. Or if you're Zion, did you eat two lunches or one? <laughs> Metrics are hard to, hard to get that. All right. I think he did pretty Oh, Lakers, what's going on? I'm going to be packing up as you're saying this. Lakers are ninth in the West. They opened the season at 4-1, to one, second favorite to win the title. They're now 33-1. to one. Big drop. You know what it's like? It's kind of like... Like AP puts out these like generic like game previews. It's like the first, you know, the, the first six sentences. It's in the paragraph form that you skip. Yeah, skip yeah. it, skip it. What's wrong with the Lakers? Russell Westbrook doesn't fit. He's playing like a below league average player. Okay, some serious people thought he would fit, right? What did they get wrong? LeBron thought he'd fit. The idea with Westbrook is that Anthony Davis and LeBron are going to continue being excellent like they have been, and now they have this third option if one of them gets hurt to kind of maintain parity. Maybe not be better than they were at the peak, but maintain parity with one of them out. Well, LeBron got hurt third game of the season. So you're saying that, that, that Westbrook's ability to play high energy, not get hurt, and be a stopgap throughout a season that, quite frankly, if it's for rest or for injury, chances are AD and LeBron wouldn't play the whole season. That, and then someone that could know his role in the playoffs, that was the theory. It seems like Westbrook's been very um, obstinate, very resistant to the idea 
of having any limitations. It's like LeBron, maybe it was an ego thing. LeBron thought being with me, he'll, you know, he'll be on bended knee as necessary. And Westbrook's like, you know, you don't know. I've been, I, I'm going to finish my career with zero titles because I'm so stubborn. Why would I change now? Kind of, it seems to be his attitude. I think there's strong evidence to the vet. I mean, they were looking at John Wall, who hasn't played effective basketball in two years, and they were going to trade him versus Which, a guy to me, is a horrendous decision. I mean, AJ, you thought it was a bad sign for the Lakers. I mean, going for with Wall would have been giving up on the season. I think they kind of have given up on the season. The way LeBron's talking, it feels like they have. LeBron's a human, right? He's never been in a—I mean, think about it. When he's been healthy, except for the first year with the Lakers— this is a guy that's always been when the playoffs started. It was, I mean, I guess since he won his first, or since he made his first fine. Well, I guess I was against the Spurs. Since he won his first title, he feels like he's in the title hunt every every year. year. Now he isn't, and you know what? He knows he's not playing. He's doing some amazing stuff. He's not playing as well as he used to. How you know? So he knows he's reaching the end. So hey, listen, you ever hear the song Poncho and Lefty? I have. Cry some tears for Lefty too. <laughs> Because he's getting old. Uh-huh. We're going to end. Oh, we did a time shift. That would have been a good ending. Oh, that's a great song. It is a great song. We've listened to multiple versions after the sh- after shows he here. He goes, living on the road, my friend. Boy, that was pretty good. Well, look at you. I'm never going to sing again. That was, I, I don't mind it. <laughs> that was a little Willie. It had a little Willie twang yeah, going Yeah, my friend. <laughs> and, but it made you free and clean. Yeah, he goes, you're high a horse like I and kerosene. Yeah. Yeah. And you weren't your mama's only boy, but your favorite one, it seems. There's a Dylan version of him doing that at the supper club that is like he inverts, like everyone that was a guy's a girl, like every name gets flipped. And it's not on any purpose. He's just like drunk. But, <laughs> but the great thing to end this part of the pod is the chorus says, all the federales say, so these are about a bunch of outlaws, right? All the federales say they could have had him any day. They just let him slip away out of kindness, I suppose. And it's like the idea that if you're an outlaw, you're beat. You're an underdog. You can't win against the system. But we all kind of root for that. The guy who maybe jumps onto the field, though, that's not a good example. Can, can he say, oh, like the great example is the gladiator. Right when you when you're fighting and there's gonna be it doesn't matter how many people you beat with the swords there's another twenty waiting yeah you're not getting out of that coliseum right and but we're rooting for that of guy of course Spaniard Spaniard you know now that you say that you never saw Rome. I did watch Rome. You did. Okay. Remember when Paul, oh, so this was a show on HBO, and it was like right with the Sopranos, but it just didn't. It was only like two seasons exactly, on. Exactly. Two exactly. Half of it's horrible, half of it's awesome, and it's in the same episode. <laughs> Meaning it's like a soap opera, but it's all, yeah. It's hard to tell if it's a good show or not. It's like, all, there's some good moments, certainly. I think it's, I think some of the best is great. But I, some of the bad is garbage. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's but, a really weird show to wrap your head around. And it never succeeded, but I never minded a soap opera, right? I watched <laughs> Dallas, as it, you know, I mean, in repeats. I, JR is who I modeled my business career after. But, <laughs> but, but, but Polo, right, who was like the doofus, but he was a tough mother. Mother, right. Yep. So he was going to die. He was sentenced to die in the in the Coliseum, right? 
But somehow, Polo is like starting to kill people and kill people. And he kills like nine of them because he is a badass. And everyone's starting to cheer and they're going crazy. And then no, the, the guy comes out who's like 70 years old, but he's like six, seven. And he's got like, I, I don't think he's come out for two years. Like he's <laughs> waiting. He's the last guy. And at some point, Polo just figures a way to drop down on his knees and take out his leg. And... He go, but the thing is, the whole episode, it, was the, it wasn't the first to the ninth. What was the, they had the thing that Caesar's um, fighting group that was, they had a fray. It was like, let's say it was first to the ninth, but I can't, it was like the fifth battalion. I haven't seen the show in like 10 years. That's what but, I'm saying, but it was something that throughout the whole show, they always said, well, but you're a member of the fifth. It was like, it was like this ultimate thing, right? And what, what ends up happening is when he finally wins, he goes up and he does like the, 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 you know, like the booyah cheer, and it's like so amazing because it's like you're not thinking that's. It's like here's a guy that has that pride. You can see in the military where if it's someone, what they do with like that pride of being a marine, for example, mm-hmm. right? Is you oftentimes a lot of those people grew up, you know, with high school they were troublemakers, they got into legal trouble, and then they got this pride of being in the marines. And to me, that's a wonderful thing, and it really represented that where he had this pride that he was part of that, and he gave. That cheer out. It was it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I might go home and rewatch that episode. That's not a bad show. Oh, it, it, it's again it's it, hit or miss. It is hit or miss. But Caesar, I mean it, it it's 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 a, I like it. I mean me and Mary have watched that probably three times. Like like uh, which I know I'm in a rare group that really likes that. But anyway, if you want more talk like this, listen, because <laughs> we got a little time shift from earlier. But it's I think it's all pretty good. I do too. Hardly any Bob Dylan. A little Bob Dylan. A li- hardly any. The right amount. So you say. Not a good show. If that's a good show, what's a great show? Yellowstone. I do love Yellowstone. You know he's making fun of you, though. Right? I know, but you know what? Neither of you have watched Yellowstone, so you can't <laughs> say that. Why are you pounding your feet and making a lot Because of I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Ed, are you, are you giving us a yes. one, two, or three? All right. Anything else in the game? I mean, no. a lot of stuff. I There's mean, the plenty. Fez did great. Props. I mean, it goes to show you now, there's opportunities in these props, man. And I'm, I'm hoping next year I can do what? Go ahead. All my square props from last week's pod oh swept. That, see, this is what's interesting. If there is a simulation, if someone is, or some computer is saying, you know what would be interesting? You know, is AJ spent the entire year getting weaned off of his Huey Lewis uh, inspired, we'll say, picks. <laughs> and it's almost like I just got to get a, t- a, a version of this. They have it as a bed beneath you as you're talking. Maybe so. And let's be honest, after the season, or as the season progressed, there was less and less of that crap. But then you said, you know, because this is what happens when the pressure is high, Super Bowl, people revert to what feels safe. And safe is usually square picks. So it's, I'm going und- over sacks because you know what? I saw on ESPN the O-line's bad for Cincy and the D-line's good. I heard a something called win rate and it's number one. And it's like <laughs> it's like over. And you know who else is good? You made me sound like a person who just got the internet yesterday. Like, <laughs> you know I heard of something on this box, this computer box. <laughs> 
that field goal kicker they call him money. You think he's bad? You know, it's like every pick was like this. Like literally, if someone came out of a coma and had, let's say, impaired function, <laughs> and they go, "Hey, Fred, do you want to pick the Super? Yeah, I'll pick the Super Bowl. That guy made the kick." Say he'll make more kicks. He'll make two of them. <laughs> I mean, and they all won. They all won. Uh, it was Evan Mc, Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals. Uh, Ram, Rams over three and a half sacks. Oh, Jesus. And Joe Mixon over three and a half receptions. Uh, that was more savvy. I'll take that one. Okay. But the, yeah, listen, now the question is, are you going to think I should have done that the whole year No. Ago? You're going to be tempted. I will be. There's going to be. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's not going to be weeks where I don't get Huey played on me because I know I will. But the question I am, is, I am who I am. But that's the well. If you am who you am, you wouldn't change throughout the year. I, I'm trying to evolve, but <laughs> in my but, core, I'm the same guy, RJ. Right. And that's going to be the question: your core versus your higher brain. With who's going to win? I got your core as the favorite. I think you're probably right. Um, I do think. Our approach to don't play the Rams on the spread. Look at the money line. It got down to minus 185. So once again, right? Don't play the Rams on the spread. Play the Rams to get the most yards. That was smart. Play the Rams to get the most first downs. That was rock solid. And the math behind it was all just beautiful. It was really just perfect bets because it's like there's no way you're getting 50 cents cheaper. Yep. And it, and the team overperformed in those areas as opposed to points. What was the count? I didn't even look at the count of the yards. How, how the yards was close, but a winner. Eight yards for the Rams. Mm-hmm. First downs, three extra first downs for the Rams. Two and zero. Easy. Ram first downs minus one and a half is what what Fez gave out. It, uh, so it was minus one ten. Uh-huh. Even uh-huh. that wins. So, but I I, I laid the one fifty. Paid the same. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll do a, a little double dip back with Fez next week, same time. Let's talk NBA. Let's give McKenzie a little time. All right, McKenzie, this is your audition. Do you ever see the video? And I think that Get Back uh, or that Beatles documentary has this, right, where they tape them up on the roof. Yep. They play Get Back. Yep. JoJo was a man. Yeah. <laughs> the, and remember at the end. Who McCart- is your favorite Beatle? It's interesting because you brought that up last week, yeah. and I have two, so I can't. I can't say. Uh, I don't know firmly which one's my favorite. I'm thinking Ringo's one of yours. No, it's not John and Paul. It's Paul and George. Okay, I can accept that. But you know what's interesting? Paul and George seem to be diametrically opposed. Yeah. Huh? It's like your your core versus your upper brow. Okay. Is <laughs> get it all back as a circle. kid? As a kid, you know, in high school or whatever, doing psychedelics. Listen to the White Album. <laughs> is I I was a John Lennon guy. Anyone that was soulful, you know, it was like Lennon, McCartney's a hack. McCartney's a hack. But then as I look at it, Lennon was just a whiny bitch. <laughs> I mean, he really like he's in bed with Yoko all the time. Like, get the hell out of bed, dude. And I get it. He was mentally, you know, he was uh, what would you call it? He was uh, Arrested Development or whatever, and he was a great artist. And then. I don't know. But then here's the thing. For all the rock stars out there listening, I'm going to say this. When you do your later work, admit that it isn't near as good. Because everyone will be okay with that, and then they won't have to act like. Like, to me, when when someone goes and has, like, a, let's say the Eagles put, not that they would necessarily, but they put out an album, and they play 14 songs, and eight of them are from the new album. Ugh. 
That's a mistake. Yeah. Because you know it's not that good. The Stones still put out albums, and then they play like oh, one no. or two songs yeah, from it, and then they that, play their hits. They put out an album. I, what's it been? There's been one album in 25 years probably at this point. And again, I'm not, you know, but what I'm saying is beyond it. Now, here's the thing you give Dylan credit. When he puts out an album that's really good, he will play a lot of songs off that album. If he puts out a bad album, you won't hear a song from it. You know, he hasn't really done bad albums. But in the 80s, he put out some real stinkers, never played it. Some of the songs have never been played live. <laughs> Seriously, if you go to this site, you can see how many songs each play. Yeah. So, but again, it's worth saying with Dylan, you know how they said Tom Brady could have had three careers? Mm -hmm. Or two at least that made the Hall of Fame? Dylan's the same way, but I mean, there's three. Like the '60s, he it was everything. Then, if you said from '75 to '89 is a career that he'd make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then from '90 through now would make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I would make the following case: Who else is still putting out music in rock and roll? Let's. I don't know what's happening in rap. But I think in rap, it's probably even less so. Like, are any 70-year-olds putting out music in rap? No. no. Jay-Z had a hot verse, and we, we, we asked the question, us rap fandom, was this the first classic verse by a 50-year-old ever? General consensus was, yeah, he's, he's pushing boundaries. That's interesting. 50. So why would fit? Why would fit? I get the idea. Now, now, when it comes to things like poetry, like creative writing, it's a young man's game just because... There are synaptical reasons yeah. for that. But for the most part, 50 isn't too old intellectually for, you know, like chess maybe, but there's a handful of things. So, but as a singer, or, or are you saying as a writer? It's funny that you mentioned poetry. They say that all, you know, classic verse poetry is done before the age of 30, but novelists only get better with time because mm -hmm. you have more to draw from, more experience. I agree with that. I agree. And I also think that some of it has to do, too, there's no one line in a novel except the first page and the last page that really matters all that much. So it's a matter of aggregating a lot of small wins where with, like, you know, I'm not – I've written – when I was in high or college in high school and even when I came out to Vegas for a while, I was around UNLV on the scene. I was a, I was a fan of poetry. I'm such a lyrical fan. I guess slam poetry mostly, you know, not the old school stuff. But I always like a great turn of phrase. So, like, to me, if you think about – like, I read a little T.S. Eliot, uh, you know, in my day, and it was like, you know, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang but a whimper. Is like that's a – like, mic drop to me, you know. <laughs> yeah. In poetry, it's almost like you got to, that's what it's about for the most part. Where in a novel, it's about that accumulation of small wins. So maybe that, but in rap, what percentage of the big, if we looked at the top 20 rap songs of, of 2021, how many of the people performing them wrote them? Is it like almost always they're going to write them? Yeah, if you're a rapper that doesn't rap their own lyrics, you're in a completely different category. Okay, so the theory is you're, you're a pop star. Yeah, you're Puff Daddy. Now, amongst the best rap lyricists today, in your opinion, you actually really engage yourself with this stuff. You you had floated a podcast on the history of rap or something. We'll see. We'll see. But a uh, different feed. But um, uh, what percentage of them would be elite at the, what was it called, like an eight mile when you battle? Rap, what's that called? Like a rap off or something? What's it called? Yeah, a, a battle. A rap battle. Is, is that, there's got to be a word. There's a it's word. just battle rapping. Battle. Okay. Yeah. Is that's being able to come up with it in the moment, yeah, right? Freestyling. freestyling is 
is there a correlation? Like speed chess and chess, there's really not a great – a lot of great speed chess players can't play the long game, et cetera. Is, if you're a great freestyler, does, is, that, is that mostly some of the great lyricists or is, is it two different skill sets? They're two different skill sets, but Jay-Z famously says, I never write anything down. I get into the booth. I rap a couple lyrics. I might change it. I might go back and do it differently, but it's all off the brain. Whereas Nas and Drake have said, I respect freestyling, can't do it. I write everything down beforehand. And there's some freestylers that are famous freestylers that have never re recorded a song that anybody knows. So they're, they're different no, But that was a different generation, right? Like in the 70s. Like before, what was that? Rapper's Delight or whatever was the first song, right? Yeah, that, the first that really kind of broke through? Sure. Okay. I actually heard someone on Ryan Rosillo talking about that. That, that, that song that they went to some guys in the Bronx or whatever that were like the luminaries of that, you know, DJ scene, right? So the whole idea of a, a rapper being a DJ, correct me if I'm wrong, was they really were there spinning records. Yeah. And then in between, it's almost like Howard Stern started talking in between songs. It, it became that. 100%. It's like a toast at a party is, okay. is what it's been described as. Yeah. And it's so fascinating to think like when NWA was happening or whatever, uh, Run DMC, it was the beginning of this, meaning like to think in 1968 or 67 when Sgt. Peppers came out to think rock and roll really just started less than 10 years before. That, how, if you want to say Buddy Holly's rock and roll, wherever that start. And now it's been like 60, 70 years. The idea of these nascent uh, fields and then, but then the funny thing is you would think like anything else, you stand on the shoulders of those that came before you, it would always get better and better. But usually... I know in rock and roll it hasn't. Yeah, right? you'd say it's gone up and then it peaked with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. But it went up and peaked within 10 years. And first of all, it wouldn't be with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, <laughs> but okay. Is I would say if I'll we're going to go rock band, we're going to go Zeppelin, right? Yeah. To me, I think they're in another universe. But, but I guess what I'm saying is to, if you take the top 10 albums in the last 10 years versus the 60s, in science, like the top scientific ideas from 50 years ago versus now, well, think about it a second. The iPhone versus, you know, I wonder, is it is it that an, a field has more energy at the beginning? or what? It, what but it, I, I would say the, the top, if you took the top 10 albums from 2000 to 2010, they'd be better than the top 10 albums from 1980 to 1989. So I think it's just sometimes, like we... The way, the way the world works is it gets or music works is it get there's eras that yeah that but the, the music trend, it lives the, on if you take the 60s and 70s is the first 20 years mm -hmm. there's no 20 years that's going to compete with that I agree with that so thus there was a trend there right it got, yeah. it, it got it's gotten worse yeah and with rap it, that's the perception right the, the exactly people, almost the same where there's the 80s where it wasn't really formed and then there's the golden age with Rakim and Nas and Jay-Z's first album, 91 well, Would that be the goal? I mean, where where does, I mean, I'm asking, yeah. where does, like, Biggie, I mean, yeah, Jay-Z and I was after, right? Yeah, Jay-Z, I think marks, that 96 album marks the end of that period, but Biggie, Tupac were both now, 93, what, what, you, That 93, 94, is that considered the golden age, or is it the one after, you're saying? But it's, it's, uh, it's the golden ages, Jay-Z's the end of the golden age. Okay. But even though that album's considered part of it. Okay, so what you're saying is Jay-Z's first album was the last album of the Golden Age. Exactly. Which means that it all came before him except that album. Yep. Okay, yeah. So, but it seems like something like rap that is, is become, or hip-hop or whatever the distinction is, it's become like the, the, the American, you know, the United States is like theme music, right? Like, what, there's, is there even rock and roll bands anymore that exist? <laughs> like the Foo Fighters exist. Yeah, but they're all playing, they're all, it's like a jukebox. Like, there's no vibrant new rock bands that are like, you got to hear this out. I mean, there's just not. No.
I want to say Maroon Five. That's how. That's, that's how been a long time. And they're a pop band. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Is is so today? If something hot comes out, it's going to be hip hop, right? Or what? It's Taylor Swift. Which again, I I think that you can do pop at a high level. I, it's just not me. It's not my. You know, I don't know. But so so it, it is the number one musical form in the United States. But it's much or to what degree you can tell me less vibrant than it was during the golden era which means the very most vibrant thing isn't all that vibrant i thought it was telling that the big hip-hop for the first time we're going to be at the super bowl featured snoop dogg started at that 90 it's always going to be nostalgia though but go ahead yeah dr dre and even eminem they're all like rappers that are more akin to that older generation they did bring in kendrick lamar who's like the one lyricist nowadays but I think it's something that with that energy that this is a new field, like the brightest minds of our generation mm-hmm. are going to build something. Mm-hmm. That's We just don't I, don't, I don't feel that right now. And maybe art doesn't, maybe science obviously builds upon in a way that is incontrovertible, but art, yeah, you can get the influences of it, but it's not necessarily on the shoulders of as much as, you know, it's like a rock you can stand on maybe a little bit. Okay. But, you know, here's the thing. If you're not a humongous name, you're not going to be on the Super Bowl. And True. thus, you're going to get that as a retrospect. I mean, Springsteen was there at the end, well, not at the end, but 2008, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. What did you think of this, the halftime show? I thought it was good, not great. I don't think, uh, I think rap is better in an intimate, smaller setting in general. Not I don't all think music you should be is. screaming like Except- lyrics. It's not, a, it's not a party. I mean, it is a party vibe, but it's, it, I don't think it works in an arena. When's the last time you listened, AJ, to The Wall? A couple of years ago, probably. I, I I listen to almost 95% Dylan at this point, and I happen to listen. And I really like Spotify and Amazon Music. I got both of them. I mean, just the idea that you can just – I can think of a song like – there's just now I thought of like uh, um, Men at Work, right? That was a song in the 80s. Uh, this is a land down under. Uh-huh. And, and there was a couple – and for some reason, I, th- I haven't heard that song probably in 25 years. Or maybe a couple of times. And like right now, within you know, like within seven seconds, we could be listening to that. Yeah. Or like Jay Giles' band, Centerfold. I used to like that. I like Jay Giles' yeah. band. Yeah. It's like, but if we didn't have that, we'd have to have our record collection or, or CD collection with us and happen to have that album, which you're not going to have every one. No. So it's like, it shows you. I mean, I think we undersell sometimes how great technology is. Yet there's still people who go out and buy vinyl well but that's different now one there's a sense of having the tactile relationship with it but number two there's a warmth there is a digital at least in my opinion and i think most audiophiles which i'm not feel this there's a warmth to analog that i tell you this i i've spent a decent amount of money you know a lot of the stuff on my equipment here can be done by a good board you know it's a plug-in though that's the compression and i i do not believe that you can make now one day it might be true but I think film looks better than digital, and I think the audio analog with an analog element to it is better than pure digital. What do you think? I, I think that as technology gets better, the sound gets better. A lot of people, and listen, but I get the, a lot of people not like better though. A lot of people like the sound of vinyl. I hear distortion, and if you can hear music without distortion, I mean, it's not like the the band it said doesn't, it doesn't come at no cost. Like here's the thing: when they put out those old albums, and you hear that you actually can hear a hiss on the digital version sometimes, or a little bit of fuzz, they could remove that easily. I could go into like cheap, 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 go into Adobe mm-hmm. and do some. But what happens is it degrades other parts of the song. So the theory is we want to leave this 
I, I'm not saying they don't do anything to it, but they always err towards taking out away from taking out too much because if if you do, it affects the core. It's almost like a painting. If a painting has age on it, you can try to fix it, but you might ruin the painting yeah. or you leave it. I don't know. But rap, with rap or hip-hop, there's not any sense of I – mean, cassettes, how it started, right? Like passing out and selling cassettes out of like a trunk. Yeah. Is it – is there any vinyl like love in the hip hop? Oh, I guess because of the, the, the DJ, the whole, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, yeah, I bought a couple rap albums when I was getting into it for for vinyl just to just to have. But this, I mean, it, I'm I'm listening for the lyrics. I'm not listening to. I'm not that audiophile to to tell the mm -hmm. difference that much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. I I always you know, it sounds it sounds really square, but. <laughs> Like I used to love the rap songs that were on Entourage. For whatever reason, whoever picked those songs seemed to pick some great songs. And at one point, I started going through the credits, saying, "I'm going to check some of these songs out." I never really did, but I, I still like. If someone said, "You know something? I don't like rap all that much," but I kind of understand that, you know, it is kind of important, at least culturally at this point. If they wanted to, like, let's say, expose themselves like twice a year, once a year to like some interesting rap. It feels like before playlist on Spotify, or whatever, it would have been difficult. I'm guessing now you find someone that, that then you play a couple of songs off their list, best of 2021 or whatever. And if you feel an affinity to those songs, or if you like those songs, maybe like, how would you suggest someone say, you want to dip your toe and spend two hours in the next month, kind of listening to a little new uh, hip hop. What would you suggest? I would suggest there's a couple great rappers like Drake and Kendrick Lamar, in my opinion, you look at who they're featuring. Who, who do they bring on to their, their albums? Kendrick Lamar is actually, the first time I heard him was on a Drake album in 2012. So the theory is that the guys that got the brand are trying to leverage the talent of those that 100%. don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are people coming up to him like, this guy's better than you. <laughs> this guy's the best rapper in the world right now. Get him on your album. That's what Lil Wayne did with Drake. That's what Drake did with Kendrick Lamar. That's and, what D Dr. Dre did with Eminem. And then, so then it's chicken and the egg is, are they becoming superstars after being featured because they were featured or because they were so good to be featured? I think it's the former, but it's, it's very difficult to tell. I know, I know. Or you could come out with a top, if I said I want a top 20 rap songs of the 20th century, or well, 20, that, that, would be, century. Yeah, that would be difficult. <laughs> the, the top 21 rap songs. No, 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 no. <laughs> the top 20 rap songs of the 21st century. That means not even one a year. I like it. Could you do that? 100%, yeah. When, when can you have it done by? Tomorrow. I don't need the song, I just need the list. Tomorrow. I'd like to think about it for, you know. All right, tomorrow. Months. So here's what I'm going to do. Should I give out his Twitter now or look at the list and decide if it's worthy? I don't think you're going to be the best judge of if no, it's worthy I, or not. I have an amazing ability to judge anything. Based on the name of a song? You haven't heard no, yet. I would listen Oh, you'd to listen it. to the songs? Okay. I don't like any violence. Or, or misogyny. So you're gonna you're just gonna give him Will Smith's albums from uh, <laughs> well, getting uh, jiggy with it. Wait, wait, I actually made a mistake. I like violence. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna trust him. So give your Twitter out. No, hold on. What you're not treating goofy stuff, are you? Like no. like the crackpot theories and stuff. Hey, listen, we'll let him do this once. If he report to me. <laughs> if his list is crazy? No, his list. I, I'm saying, who knows? If he's, whenever he thinks he has an audience, I mean, look the F out, right? I mean, the worst of him comes out. And we're trying to wean that out of him. But report to me. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Go ahead. At Mac and Rivers. Oh, I saw this. This is horrible. 
Why? Why, why this? You don't. That, who thinks mac? And who can smell mac? And first of all, I think maybe fifty percent of people that heard really? it. Really, Mackin. Because it's like Mac, M-A-C-K, uh-huh. the brand, and then E-N. But what if I thought it was Mac and I-N? Wait, Mac and E-N? Why E-N? I mean, it's my name without the Z-I-E. So it's not your name? Yeah, it's my rapper name, Mackin. You don't have a rapper name. <laughs> <laughs> you officially don't have a rapper. <laughs> if I'm sure one thing. <laughs> so Dude, you're saying I should just change it to at Mackenzie Rivers? No. We'll think on it. Let's do this. Report to me if you have Don't spell it. We're, and we see. We're, then no one's going to go. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you can either. Here's the thing you got to face if you have a chance in the mainstream, Mackenzie. Because the people who are losers by themselves in their basement or whatever, they can have all these cutesy things. But the question is, is it practical? You know what's important about a, 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 a Twitter account handle for someone who's on the radio and podcast? They can hear it, type it in, and find you. Let's think. What's my Twitter handle? At RJ in Vegas. Kind of easy, isn't it? Yep. I could have said RJ underscore. But no, no, no. Let's keep it simple. Mackin. And then what? Rivers. Okay. All right. I don't even know how to spell it now. M-A-C-K-E-N-R-I-V-E-R-S. Yep. Underscore seven? <laughs> no. Okay. <that's> it. <laughs> All right. I wonder if you had Mac uh, McKenzie. McKenzie. Maybe McKenzie with two extra. No, see, if you have to explain it, yours is horrible, too. No wonder you. you guys need my help so bad. What? Thank. I said thank you. I mean, you understand. It's it, it, Like, real could be spelled differently. Like a real, you know, a movie. I mean, I guess so. AJ is the real. You just so excited. The Iron Sheik knew your I name. I mean, a lot of people, like a lot of, it's just a play on a lot of people say the real Mackenzie Rivers. Yeah, like people, real. it was exactly. before the blue checks, that was how people would try to do that. You know, I know, but it's like when you say you did a play on it, you meant you did something that w- wasn't as obvious as that. You wanted to do something that was cute. Well, because I got a, a, a cute end to doing that, so I just did it. Because of the Iron Sheik said Yeah. How did you know the? Did you guys hang out? No, the Iron. I used to do a bit on my on my show where I would read his tweets uh-huh. in his voice, and it became a bit. And then he came on my show a couple times. Is it true that the intellectual property of your former station said that you know how Letterman laughed and there was a big debate? Should stupid Petrix go with? It? They said, please take that. Yeah, they said <laughs> you can't do this on Fox Sports Radio. Whatever you do, <laughs> so I haven't even asked you to do it. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's that's we can do that when you and Fez are on and it's Waikiki or the rest of the island. All right, we're gonna do some time shifting. I think we, what we should do is we had a, a nice long intro at the beginning that was interesting, but not really our stuff. We moved that and what we just did up till now. So if now is the end of the show effectively, and we don't know if Mackenzie bombed or not. I think he's gonna be fine. But go to McKenzie's E-N Rivers. So Mackin Rivers, M-A-C-K-E-N, R-I-V-E-R-S. Is that even, do you even have that many letters in a Twitter account? It's allowed, yes. You know what I thought, you know what's funny? When I thought of is M-R, Mr., it's like, there's something there, man. Like, it's all like Mr. McKenzie. But then you would have Mr. McKenzie available. 
Mr. McKenzie is what my mom has called me since I'm th- since I was three years old. <laughs> so that would be wonderful. Yeah, I, I have a warm feeling when I hear it. <laughs> now, is McKenzie even spellable? It's not because some people would say M C K or. Uh, Mr. Rivers is a. Mr. What about Mr. Mac? Oh, Mr. Mac. Mac Kenzie, Magzi. I'll listen. I'm gonna do when I'm on the commode this week. <laughs> I'm going to think about it. I swear I will not think about it any time except on the commode, and we'll see what I come up with. Okay. It's going to be good. <laughs> Stay tuned next week. All right. Oh, we don't have Fez here. We don't have Fez to oh, say. Wait, what is, what? Hold on. Hold on. We got to have someone do it. Well, I don't know the line. The line. Uh, is, is it state? Let's, let's have Mackenzie do it. Okay. You remember the line? Now, don't scream into the mic. You don't remember? Let's be careful out there. It, was there someone with a lisp that became the star? He goes, let's be careful. <laughs> was that you imitating Fez? No, that was just me talking. Let's be careful out there, gentlemen. Let me try. Go ahead. All right. Let's be careful out there. We need Fez. He'll be back next week.